everyone, and welcome back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get these sites stepped together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We've got the full crew here again today. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I've got Josh Torres. Hi, hello. We've got Adam Vitali. You sound bored. Me? I'm not hey, bored. What? I I just had to move like half a half a mountain of mulch for a friend this morning, so maybe I'm just worn out. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> uh, we've no, got that's uh, understandable. We've got James Galizio. I have returned with a greater desire to play fighting games. And Chowman will want to play with me. Oh no. yeah, you were at the uh, yeah. We mentioned that you were at the Arc System Works uh, tournament uh, last I, weekend, and that sounded Chow, like a really good time. That was a yeah. one hell of a tournament. Chow, I I don't want to play fighting games with you. I was talking with uh, with I was at a party last night and there was like some dude there that got like top 64 in like uh, UMBC three last time I was at Evo. And I was talking about Undernight with him and I said, yeah, I used to play with a buddy of mine that uh, that played uh, Batista and he was like, ah, absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was that you, Chow? Were you the Batista player? Yes. Uh, He's also Carl Main in Blaze Blue. Oh my! Okay. Uh, oh yeah, you do play Carl. Oh, damn it! You understand why I don't want yeah, to play? Yeah, I don't know. I, I whenever I think about like the kinds of characters Chow means, like May and Strive, I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. He's a, he definitely kind of a has a type. He yeah, has a type. What is Chow's know. type? He, uh, he plays scumbag cancer. characters. <laughs> <laughs> He, Chow, he, 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 he plays characters play that have a gimmick. He they have to have a gimmick, and then like they just piss you off. If you don't if you don't know how to like play against them correctly. So like with Batista, she's a a zoner, and like if you can't not uh, only a zoner, she's a charge zoner. Yeah, she's a charge zoner. So like if you get close, she has like a fucking crazy flash kick. So like, oh, you're trying to get close by jumping towards me. You're a fucking idiot. Well, get well, here's the in. thing though. It's, it's it's if you charge, if you're if you see her crouching, it's like she can be charging two different attacks. You don't know. Fucking flip a coin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, people learn how to deal with this shit back in Street Fighter Two, fighting Guile. Okay. Child's like, just play, just play, just don't make any mistakes against it. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Hey, it sounds like a valid strategy to me. Meta, man, most effective tactics available, guys. Who's Shao going to play as for Street Fighter 6? The most scumbag character possible. Oh, okay. Checks out. Well, yeah, I don't... I, I, I oh, no, I, I'm a, I'm a Karen mm. main in Street Fighter 5. He'll say I'm a scum. Yeah. I mean, Karen is... Like, look, I played Karen uh, when I played Street Fighter 5, and even I'm going to tell you, like, she's cheap, man. <laughs> she's cheap. Ugh. Guys. Guys. Are... I forgive you. I forgive you, at least. I'll, I'll still play with you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to... Who did you who did you mean again in Type Lumina? Noel. Yeah. Fuck you. What about Persona 4 Arena? Agus. Yeah, I guess it's fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I I can't even like be mad at because I played I, I didn't play Persona 4 Arena. I played now though. So like. Ah yes. Uh, yeah. Very uh, very explicitly. Uh, I wonder what your main would be if you played it uh, Undernight. I played, oh, I played... Because uh, Naruto I, I, is basically I, I, just I, I the play, fucking, just the fucking, like, uh, Melty Blood slash uh, Undernight character. I didn't I didn't play Eunice, but, like, in in, in Uniel, I played Lin. But uh, I, I, I never really played Eunice that much, so I don't know who would be my main there. There's an RPG cool. site podcast. Yep, <laughs> I promise. 
James, well, we are... came back from RPG news from the fighting game tour. Uh, unfortunately, there was no RPG news. Very unfortunate. Yeah, there, there was other cool news there, but it's not RPG related. Not even the Blaze. Random tidbit: Arxis invited us to go, and I was like, "We cover RPGs, not fighting games." And they're like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> and then we just and now we're, and now we're just starting our podcast with five minutes of fighting game talk. I'm okay with it. Anyways, we are recording this a uh, on the year anniversary of Final Fantasy Origins: Stranger of Paradise. You, you you need this. You need to call it Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. That's the title. Oh, you say it, Final oh, Fantasy Origin oh. first. Everyone will think, oh, you mean the PS One <laughs> re-release of FF One and FF Two? No one else download should I re-download uh, Final uh, Strangers of Paradise and go through the DLCs? Yeah, I I'll, I mean not yet. Uh, maybe in a month, according to a certain news story. Um, I we also need to check if our saves are compatible when it comes to you know the certain news story. But yeah, the news story is is that it's coming to Steam April sixth. <laughs> yeah there, there we go we did it starting out with our major headline final fantasy origin not the version on ps1 for final fantasy one and two with stranger of paradise yeah i mean I, on I, pc I, I wanna... it's been a epic store exclusive since launch and then square and their draw out of a hat console release strategy which has seemingly gone very poorly for them mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. is continuing as stranger of paradise comes to steam like 13 months I think they got, I mean, I don't know if it, it paid off well for them or not in this case. I mean, like, they, they probably got paid a, a ton to, like, that's keep a, it. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, they, they their, their purse is probably pretty pretty full with whatever Epic gave them to keep that. And then and people will, will definitely, like, you know, I mean, I'm going to buy it again, probably, because it has all the DLC. I, I only, I, I never got any of the DLC on uh, on Epic when they had it. It's just the base game. I didn't pick up any of the other things, so I'm like, and it's and I think it has like a permanent discount now as well to celebrate its like first year anniversary. I for, I don't know how big the discount is. They mentioned it on, and then so I mean you're getting it at a lower price than you normally would with all the DLC. Um, and yeah, I mean that sounds like a good deal to me. So is now available at a permanently discounted price, but it doesn't tell yeah. me what. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the discounted price is. I was trying to find that too. I'm like, all right. Um, I have I haven't played this one yet, and I and I want to. So here, April looks pretty empty for me. So maybe this will be a good excuse. Uh, I just I feel like I need to share this. My girlfriend calls this uh, um, Frank Sinatra Final Fantasy. Like, have you played Frank Sinatra Final Fantasy yet? I'm like, no, not yet. It comes to Steam that's, in April. Uh, that's. That's a great name for it. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. He he really did do it his way. He did. Hey, yeah. you know what? What 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 one of Final Fantasy game with uh, a very interesting cast and a very interesting main character. You know, I like it. I I it's I, I but I I I I say that on the basis that I haven't played any of the DLCs, so I don't have like any lingering like. I don't have uh, that baggage in my everyone heart. Everyone except everyone except for one person specifically I know that actually really got into that DLC. I like the DLC basically uh, soured a lot of the good yeah, feelings about the uh, game for them. Yeah, I, I do. I do wonder how. Like, I, I do plan to uh, go to the DLC because like there's like this Reddit post that like you know a friend shared with me like saying like hey if you're at the point in the game where like you beat the game the base game and now you're ready for like the end game ramp into the DLC. 
like there was like a Reddit post that like went into detail, like okay, here are like the step the step by step, like here's the smoothest progression ramp into the well, DLC. Here's the um, problem with me. Here's the problem with me. Okay. I wanted to like actually get around to like grinding stuff in the game, but uh it's most efficient to do that like in multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nobody's playing multiplayer on the Xbox version. Yeah, so the like that that's the thing, like now with the Steam version coming out, multiplayer will be very alive for several will weeks. It? I I would I would assume so. You know, I would assume a lot of people want to like grab it on Steam, and especially with all the DLC. I, I assume I, I assume there's no crossplay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. But um, I don't know, best of luck. I mean, I I would like to try to make an earnest attempt. If if not, I do have like a friend that like is like in that who completed like DLC one but didn't do DLC two. So he'll probably be like, "Hey, you want me to help?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so I have that benefit as well, right? <laughs> I have that avenue. Obviously, I wasn't planning to start with that, but I guess that's what I get for reminding people that it came out a year ago. But it's mm-hmm. mostly for myself saying like it's been a year and you still haven't gotten to it. But April. Steam, Final Fantasy Origin, Stranger Paradise. Uh, I think the game we're actually going to open with today is a game that we've talked about on a few instances on this podcast. It's a game that's coming out in May, I believe, uh, May 16th. This is Atlas Fallen. This is an open world RPG that was announced late last year around the time of the Game Awards. Uh, We got the announcement of the game. Uh, We thought at the time we covered it. I remember mentioning that it looked pretty interesting. Then last week or the week before, we got the final release date for it. But I remember thinking it was a bit strange that we got the announcement of the release date before any actual gameplay footage and uh, Deck 13 on their Twitter page for the game said that the gameplay footage would be coming uh, imminently. Well, uh, we got a gameplay trailer for Atlas Fallen this last week, which is uh, it's a news post on our site and it is what it is. And it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's about 90 seconds of, of gameplay. But it's it's very trailerized in order to allow me to invent a verb here. Um, there's no UI. It's cut up into very like cinematic snippets. It doesn't really show a lot of unedited gameplay at all. But however, in addition to Deck 13 releasing the gameplay trailer for Atlas Fallen, they also gave us the opportunity to at least uh, preview the game, at least for a few hours, a vertical slice ahead of the March, uh, sorry, May release. And that's what uh, what Josh was able to look at over the last week. So this is a game that we kind of thought was interesting, but had wished that we had a little bit more hands-on or I'd seen a little bit more of, but now we've gotten that chance. So I'll hand it over to Josh to talk about Atlas Fallen. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, game. It is by the developers of The Surge, uh, the, those two games, and people have a fondness for those games or kind of like the Souls-like uh, games that was more like uh, machine-themed. Uh, like there's a lot of a bit about like dismemberment of enemies and that if I remember correctly adam because those games i i consider adam, adam the uh the surge expert he can speak to those games oh, yeah. I, think, I think he pretty much exhausted what those games have to offer it's like, like i remember them being like the very machinery focused with like robotic limbs uh and so forth but... yeah it basically was a souls game and i mean that like it was very inspired by souls in terms of its structure but with like you get certain items to upgrade your basically your exosuit by like cutting off a person's arms you get parts of your arms and so on and so forth and this was back in like 2018 2019 ish when it's calling something a souls like still meant something but it wasn't as (laughs) pervasive as it is now right and and, but um this is totally different from uh, both those games atlas fallen is an open world action rpg i think when people like first like 
maybe glance at it, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, they'll think of probably Forspoken at first because like that was like the most recent open world action RPG that got like big desert environment uh, with it. But it's and but it's definitely you know not that obviously, but um, it's it's a really interesting uh, game. So you know when you boot up like the the preview demo, they kind of the developers kind of give you like a, a very there's like a trailer like kind of explaining the gameplay of it and then you're kind of a ways into the game like maybe the second or third mission into the game like things have already happened but like you're starting to actually play the game so i i, I forgot if the main character has a distinct name or if it's a creative character i can't remember but yeah you have this character um and they're equipped like with this gauntlet and inside the gauntlet there's like this like light aura spirit uh, or something called like nyal or nyarl and that's kind of like your companion of the game. It's a, it's like, it's you 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 make banter with it. It's kind of like a little more inquisitive type. Like, oh, this is a blah 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 blah. And oh, so this is like, oh, why, why you know this certain civilization is blah blah blah, or this creature is you know. So it's kind of like that inquisitive type. It's like when it comes to like the gameplay of Atlas Fallen, it's uh, it's a pretty uh, different kind of game from the previous Surge games. It's a open world action RPG. Um, and you know, you, you, you have this, uh, create a character, um, I think it's a creative character, I believe. I don't believe they have like a distinct name to them, uh, if I remember correctly, um, who is partnered up with this like little, uh, they wield a gauntlet and then there's like a little like spirit in the gauntlet, uh, named Nyal or Nyarl, I believe. And like this, like, uh, spirit in the gauntlet is sort of like, you know, your typical like partner character. A lot of people will probably think of like Forspoken, like uh the, the you know i forgot the name of the Forspoken partner character but this one's like less l- l- less kind cuff of cuff most of the time right cuff right mm-hmm. and um yeah it, it's this this partner character is like more inquisitive type it's like uh but it's very like analytical like oh you know like uh about this creature it does this and this or like about this like uh person that you're meeting like they might have like you know uh uh he, uh, their own agenda or something it's like more inquisitive and like kind of more like questioning the things are around you or what's happening rather than like you're not comp- you're not like constantly arguing with it you're just like oh okay like or whatever you go you know you go say your own thing but you're not like constantly arguing with it or whatever you're kind of more um it's not know. omniscient which i think i actually kind of like yeah yeah the idea anyway so um but the, the the thing with this gauntlet is when you're engaged in combat, it kind of morphs into different weapons as you're playing uh, out the encounter. So you have your, your primary attack and secondary attack. And like at first, when you're uh, initiating an encounter, it's like it's like a, like a small like hatchet and like kind of like a whip. Uh, so the hatchet on your primary attack and like the whip on your secondary attack. And then the main thing that really defines this game like this the one thing that like makes this game different from you know most other games is there's this uh bar called like the momentum gauge underneath like your life bar at the lower left corner and as you're dealing damage to enemies this momentum bar will fill up and yeah just imagine a bar and it's like and it has it's as uh divided into three segments so i have like a tier one tier two tier three of this bar um as you reach different tiers, so like when you get from tier one to tier two, uh, your your weapons morph and, and become more powerful. So like once you reach tier two on this momentum bar, like you'll have like a much much bigger like 
uh, hatchet, almost like like a, a giant uh, axe of sorts, almost uh, kind of almost resembling a scythe, and like your and then your whip, like kind of almost becomes like the blades of chaos from God of War. Um, and then once you reach tier three, it becomes really really crazy, where like your primary attack is like just kind of almost like a big axe scythe thing that's like it looks like very unwieldy to control, and like and your um, secondary attack. Uh, it is like sort of split up now into like a, a blade bits and um, think of like double O Gundam Quanta's like sword bits or like or like when you think of like Ivy from Soul Calibur if like her the segments of her sword like were like like mm-hmm. a blade bit storm around you you're like you're kind of like uh, doing that and the interesting thing about this momentum uh, gauge is that the more that it's filled up depending if like you're tier one tier two or tier three. Like it, the more it's filled up, the more damage that you'll receive. You'll receive so, like, and it's like substantial. So, like, if like only you're in tier one and you get hit, you'll like you'll get you'll take like a, a little bit of damage. Like, be like, um, like a fifth of like your health bar. But once you get to like tier three, you take you take a hit. It's like half of your health right there. So you're really sacrificing, um, a lot of like your defense for like a much like crazier uh, offense, and that's the and. That that it feeds into like how you heal in this game as well, because how you heal in this game is through like you know sort of like like healing, charges. but these healing charges aren't aren't consumable items. They 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 instead like they are they, it only fills up uh, as you're dealing damage. So like the the more hits and more damage that you're doing dealing damage, the, the faster that you're filling up like these healing charges on you. You can only have three at any given time, but you know you you consume one and you hitting and hitting and hitting and filling up these healing charges so like if you're do- getting out more hits and doing more damage the faster that it fills up so yeah you have like a certain momentum and rhythm uh to it um, can you um can you choose when you uh like you mentioned that you lose your defensive capabilities as you tear up as you're like undertaking your combo or combat and you're into the second area of your momentum bar can you choose to toggle into that or is it automatic no it's it's all automatic it's all okay. uh, automatic but um what you can do is you can actually cash in your momentum bar anytime that you go you go uh, above like tier one after you have like your first like bar filled of the momentum gauge eventually like shortly into the preview you'll gain the ability to the fish finisher attack where like you can uh, press both l3 and r3 in and then you like you'll do a big finisher attack and obviously the the higher uh the bar is filled the more damage and flashy finisher that it'll do so like you do have like the manual option to spend all the momentum bar um if you do want to like revert back into like that earlier stage uh to get like uh better defenses but obviously your your offense is kind of like reset into like the smaller weapons uh again the the the, the thing that i like about this game is like um the your defense um capabilities in it so like and uh, obviously you have like uh, an evade button, so like any time in the middle of the combo you can evade out of it. Um, even like mid slash or mid uh, hit, like you can evade instantaneously. That that's fine and good. But uh, you have another thing called stone skin, and stone skin in this game is uh, there. There'll be like whenever an attack comes to you, it'll, usually it'll be like the enemy will like flash red, and uh, when it flashes red, you you just have the stone skin button. 
and like for smaller enemies if they hit you while you're while you're stone skin they'll like crystallize and freeze and then so that'll give you time to like beat up on them um uh, but like for bigger bigger enemies like say like they're like uh, there'll be a big crab or a big like creature um that's like just several sizes taller than you like uh, it, it'll sort of like turn into like uh, almost like a like a rhythm game almost where like they have like certain attack patterns of uh where like you have to like uh stone skin multiple times and as you, every time you successfully stone skin uh their attacks they'll like start gradually crystallizing and then like after like say three or four successful like blocks of the with the stone skin ability on them then they'll fully crystallize and then that's when you can really get your offense uh in there uh so that that it's pretty it's pretty like for uh instant when you stone skin so like you're not like animation locked at, uh, to what you're doing usually you can like just stone skill usually at any time and the the window to do it is like pretty forgiving i would say maybe a little bit too forgiving it's a very very powerful ability uh from the preview uh build up that that they gave me i'm having and... like a nostalgia or something i remember some other sort of action based game where you just needed to time some sort of parry that that wasn't animation locked every single time an enemy would normally hit you and basically if you had any decent timing at all um you would have basically no no issue with the combat at least at the normal difficulty i can't remember what it was but that's the way you're describing the stone mm-hmm. skin mechanic in atlas fallen uh makes me think of that i kind of reminds you a little bit of sekiro in that sense because there's like especially when you get to like the bigger ones you need to have like a get a rhythm down for like their attack behaviors it does have like a really nice animation to it too so like um when you stone skin something uh correctly and like you successfully do it you can instantaneously do it again but if you if you whiff it it'll take like maybe like a while like maybe a second for it to like charge back up till you can do it again so there is like a certain you can't just spam it um mm-hmm. all willy-nilly um if you whiff it and also like the animation for it is like any anytime you're like your character is like doing something whether it's like mid-swing or just standing there or whether they're jumping like it'll take like a a mold of your character and what they're doing and like make like a stone like sculpture out of it that'll like crumble uh every time you use it so it doesn't matter what your like your character model is doing it'll actually make like a a mold of what they're doing and that's what the what the stone skin looks like so it actually looks really neat like what the effect is uh on there um so as you were talking about this game uh, i revisited both the gameplay trailer that released this week as well as the world premiere trailer late last year i thought it was around the game awards but i guess it was around august so i mistimed that a bit but yeah late last year was when this game uh, got its reveal trailer and one thing that the developers at deck 13 really seem proud of based on its prevalence in both the cg animation and the gameplay trailer is like this sand surfing seemingly mechanic like traversal of some sort yeah i don't know i don't know if you got any aspect of that in your gameplay demo or anything like that so uh like the like the sand surfing is um I mean, I, I, it's not as flashy as like maybe the trailers look at because like it's like it's basically your run button, but when you're on sand in the game. So like usually during, if you're like on harvests, you'll just typically run, but like when you're on sand, you'll just sand surf. That's like your default like uh, running animation on the sand. There's nothing really flashy about it aside from like yeah, it's cool that like you're surfing on sand to like get from what point point A to point B uh, on that. There's no I don't know if they're gonna like expand upon that or if there's like gonna be any more like traversal mechanics surrounding that maybe there is i didn't like look too closely at like like there's like this perk um mm-hmm. tree 
uh, on it. So like, um, I'll get I'll get to that in a sec. But another another aspect of like I want to like clear up with the combat is like it's very um, aerial focused as well, and and like kind of getting like used to the control scheme will take a bit for people because very on top of like your um, primary and secondary attack be on like the square and triangle buttons, like all of your trigger buttons are constantly being used in the sense that like so like your stone skills like on your left uh, left L one and your evade is like on R1, but then like R2 is like to uh, access, what was it? Uh, it was like accessing your, uh, like your abilities, because on top of like, there's like this uh, ability bar at their uh, bottom right-hand corner. And like the, the bottom of that is always your, your healing charges, but then there's like three empty slots and like you can equip up to three abilities on them. And how that works is in like the gauntlet menu, how these abilities are divided up in that menu is that if you reach a certain uh, your your first skill is always going to be uh, access to you because like it just it just requires you to be in tier one, but then to use the next ability uh, that you slotted in, you have to be in tier two, and then to use like your uh, other third ability, they're in tier three. But it's like it's but there are but all of these are like it can't, it's not free form. Like when you get an ability or uh, like it's like it's it's marked that assigned tier. So, like, if I get like a an ability that like says the, that lets me like throw my axe at enemies, that's a tier one ability. I can't slot that into tier two and tier three because that's been categorized as only to, to be used in tier one. You know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. So the abilities have limitations to where they can be slotted, and you have to yeah. progress in a certain at least. You have some free form in saying which abilities link together in which way. But with some constraints, where this one has to be in the second or beyond slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then each of those ability slots, there are like three mini slots by them in that menu. That like kind of, um, they don't really alter the ability, but they're like they're like additional like passive abilities. So let's say like, um, once I reach tier two, there's like maybe I have like a, a like a passive slot that says, oh, I start like regaining. I, I put in like a passive skill that says I uh, my healing charges heal me much more than they usually would, and that only takes into, goes into effect once I start, you know, once I enter tier two, or um, or like in tier one I have like a, a passive that's like oh it uh, you do more damage with like your your hammer uh, primary attack, um, and then that that uh, that'll be always be in effect because that's a tier one thing and it'll still be remain true. As I advance tier tiers in combat uh, and so forth. Um, another thing about combat, uh, like I said earlier, is like a, the aerial focus. There'll be like a lot of aerial uh, enemies and aerial encounters in the game, and uh, the the game allows you to like dash in midair, and it does sort of like this DMC thing of like, as long as you hit an enemy in the air, you'll regain that air dash. So. You'll basically do like a combo on an enemy, and then like you can like, and then you can air dash, and then like you can like like if you hit it like with your whip or like on another attack, you can like regain that air dash charge, so like you continue being in the air. Um, and and in the in the preview demo, um, there's like a main quest that says, oh, like you need to go find more pieces of your gauntlet to power it up. So once you find like these three pieces, the to power up your gauntlet, it allows it allows you to dash two times in the air before like you know 
um, you need to refill them back up. So you can stay airborne in this game for a pretty damn long time. Um, provided that like you're you're good, just like you know, getting at least one hit on an enemy after like air dashing. Does it does um, it feel good to play? Because I know sometimes air combat can look really flashy, but I never like the feel of it because you can't like change direction midair if you hold back on the on the stick or whatever. You've already got momentum in a certain direction. You're you're not able to basically position your position yourself the way you want. It's pretty snappy, but like early on, it'll feel sort of restricted because like you only have one air dash until you get that upgrade, mm. and then it start and then you start like getting a better feel for it because now you have like two opportunities to like uh, change your direction midair or like um, before you need to like refill your air dashes. It's it's pretty like combat is pretty responsive in that sense, and like air combat will feel weird at first to get used to because like you have to kind of get the momentum of like okay, I'm doing it an enemy. And then like, and then I consume an air dash, and then like I have to get another hit on enemy, an enemy to like get that air dash back to get uh, uh, like, um, sort of like just just a way for me to remain in the air, or or you or you can what you can actually do is like on the right trigger, there's like a that 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 the right trigger is like the specific like a button to like either do an attack that goes from air to the ground or ground to the air, so it's like sort of your both your launcher and like your finisher. Uh, button and then left trigger is the one that accesses your abilities and um, healing flasks. So you, you like on top of like your main attack buttons, you kind of have to get for the the feel of like, hey, your L one is stone skill, stone skin R one is your uh, evade and air dash. Um, uh, right trigger is like your finisher button from air to ground or ground to air. Then you can seamlessly go into from like your combo, and then left trigger is like you hold that down either use your healing charge or your abilities and then you know once you use an ability it'll, like it'll go to cooldown before you can use it again so like it, it's a lot to manage at first and it will feel kind of overwhelming but i sort of started getting the feel for it you know once i like kind of played more and more but it will kind of you 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 will have to like do some practice like trying to get you trying to get the flow of combat in before it starts to really click but once it starts to really click i really did like it like it gives you a lot of options you just have to kind of get used to like the language of the game, um, so to speak, uh, on that. Um, Does the vertical the, slice start out like at the outset of the game, or is it like in media res, like in the middle of an event where you're not quite sure what's going on? It's kind of more like you don't know what's really going on. Like it kind of gives you a very basic, basic lowdown of the story, but it's still very enigmatic. And and to be honest, I'm like not. It's hard to get invested in the story. Like you know, when you're kind of in a vertical slice to try to establish things. And like they kind of give you like a backstory of like some of the things of like what the gauntlet was in the past is like this ancient weapon, like you know, wiped out like you know, the forces of like baddies, but you don't really really get a good sense of like what's going on. You kind of talk to some people, do some side quests. Um, like their their whole the whole like you do uh, stumble like upon a town and like they want to like open this gate to like uh go go meet these knights but like they don't have the power to like open the gate and only your gauntlet can but your gauntlet can't isn't powerful enough to open this gate yet uh so it's like a lot of like it's a it's a lot of vertical slice stuff that's like kind of like uh okay whatever you know you're kind of you're kind of more more there to uh get a feel of the gameplay and like the the story stuff is like it's kind of hard to get invested because in you're kind of thrown like not not in the middle of it but you're just kind of like you're thrown so far off like like you even know where to establish like where to like, because if you don't, you don't really know how the beginning of the game uh, begins. So you're just like you're kind of thrown left into the 
ether at this point you're like kind of like i don't know what's going on and like you're just kind of like going you're just nodding with what people are saying you're like yeah yeah i guess so you know there'll be side quests along the map that'd be like oh you know there's these wraiths that are like um you know threatening the town go over there and kill them you're like all right and then uh, like uh, 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 this wasn't a side quest but like a side activity but one of one of the more interesting side activities was like they're like these towed up light totems where like you put the totem up uh from the ground with like your gauntlet like kind of you raise it um and then like it'll be there'll be a beacon of light that'll like point to like another totem of uh light. and then you have to kind of like race over there kind of like a time trial of sorts to, like uh like tap that totem and then it'll point to another thing and then um it, it's kind of like a time trial like uh, keep on tapping these light totems before like the light expires on them to like complete the challenge like you know, and then like just like your currencies in the game, where like you'll get crafting items to like um, equip abilities because some abilities like for some reason when you get an ability, some of them are like recipes of the ability, and then like in order to equip this ability, you need like two fiery fiery leaves, three of this stone or whatever, and one of this thing to like equip it. And you're like, okay, I guess sure, but like I, once you but once not all the time. Like sometimes you don't have this. Sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes they don't uh, require a thing to unlock. Sometimes you just get the full ability. And it's not a recipe of the ability. Um, and it's not, uh, but once you fully unlock it, you can uh, equip it and unequip it at any time. It's just like sometimes you'll just get a recipe of the ability and you'll need like mats to unlock, unlock. it. It's like, I never found it uh, like too, too out of the way. Like you can actually mark like where you can get the resources. But even then, when I was just playing normally, like, I just unlocked a good chunk of them because, like, I just went out of my way to like kill stuff. Um, so I don't know, like, I, like that's kind of a weird aspect to it. That like I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, what else? Uh, there are there's like an elite enemy in a quest that like you encounter that is like it's kind of out of nowhere. Like I was kind of just roaming around and then like it it like it kind of like it kind of did a cool transition where like it kind of made like the the environment all red and uh foreboding and like i was like kind of thrust into like a boss arena like to for this elite encounter and it was like it's a pretty big enemy um where like you kind of whittle down itself a bit and then it'll go to like a, a like a secondary phase where like there'll be like four four stones uh, that you have to like um take out out from like uh the the sides of the the enemy but like as you're like trying to take out these stones that are like kind of like uh re regenerating it there'll be like bobs um constantly uh spawning and to like give you a hard time as you're like trying to take out these stones along with like different you know new new attacks that the boss is throwing at you as well so like combat can get pretty busy um in this game um especially when the, when you're juggling like around like multiple enemies all at once and then they're like all throwing different attacks at you so you have to think about you know when to stone skin and there'll be some attacks you can't stone skill that skin that are indicated by like blue um lights uh right before an enemy attacks so you have to dodge those instead instead of stone skinning them um and then there's like and then as i explored more of the world there's like the f weird things about it like at like the edges of the map they're like these really gigantic like creature-esque things called like watcher watchers on top of like watchtowers that are like really big i don't know if they're monsters but they're like structures that look like monsters and like and they're like at the edges of the map and like i just i i didn't really try to approach one yet because the 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 one time i did and once again is a work in progress 
game. It's still in active development. Like it was like at a sandy area, and like my frame rate just fucking dipped, like really, really hard, like at the, like these edges, because it was like a lot of like effects were going on with the sand and whatnot. So I was like, okay, I don't want to be here because I want my frames back. It's just um, jittering all uh, over the place. I do like when you like look in the wrong direction and your frame rate halves goes from like 60 or 70 to 20 and you're like gee i wonder what's going on over there but I'm not <laughs> yeah. yeah so the one time i tried to do that it's like hey i was like okay fine i guess i can't go there because like my, my uh my game doesn't like when i do that um i when you're talking about the comparisons of monster hunter i actually realized like i don't remember if this game is multiplayer or single player and apparently it's a completely co-op campaign i don't know if your vertical slice is but the game is intended to be a co-op game um, it, it didn't have the co-op features in it, but there is like a, an option on the main menu to uh, get into a co-op game. So that is cool. That's like a fully co-op thing if you want to play with a buddy. Like it, the the combat just even by yourself is already really fun. So I can imagine, you know, how it is with a, with a friend. I imagine it's a blast. But I mean, like so far, it seems to be shaping up. It does a really funny thing. Um, but there's like, um, certain like things in the world like the, that are fast travel points like there's like these anvils that like you raise from the ground and like even like treasure chests like there'll be a, like a glowy thing from the ground and you use your, like, your gauntlet to like raise them from the ground to like reveal them so like anvils are kind of like your sort of like your uh waypoints they're not like bonfires they don't like respawn enemies or anything but like uh, when you have discover one and you you hit them with your, your gauntlet like instead of a hammer you just use your gauntlet like like bash them to like activate them which is really funny and like the first one that you come across is like it, it it gives like a corporeal form to like the spirit in your godlet, and it looks like a Navi from Avatar, like straight up. It's just like it's like really weird. Like it's like oh okay, I guess that's what uh, uh, what the spirit and my godlet looks like. But you know, from there you can like uh, access you know I, like upgrades to like your momentum gauge, uh, uh, upgrades to like your um, abilities, um, uh, upgrading like the. Uh, like it's like you you have an option to like upgrade the armor that you have so i assume there'll be like different armors that you get that you can upgrade to them because like as you upgrade them you're actually upgrading your stats as well and that's how you get your perk point and there's like a basic a basic perk point tree that like gives you additional things that like oh you know um like your your uh charging up your, your healing flask will take will go faster you know that's like one of the perks out there does, does um, the character, yeah. uh, does the main character uh, actually speak, or is it like Monster Hunter, like the hunter always just nods and gestures? They speak, yes, they speak. Oh, okay, so, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't, I, I don't want to say that protagonists always have to speak. But when, like, for some reason, when I was playing Wild Hearts, and your character just kind of does the Monster Hunter like nod and gesture, I was just like, mm, I don't oh, know. they interact with people. Yeah, they, oh, they, they, they have, they, they have their own. So yeah, I mean that's just like a, a very brief like summary of like what I played. I'll, I'll do a formal, more a more formal write up on it. But I think it's a uh, looking to be a pretty promising game. I think it's really fun to control in combat. Obviously, it being a vertical slice of like a, a big action RPG, it's like hard to like kind of make sense of the story at this point because uh, like mm-hmm. it's just a very very limited uh, part of the game right now. Um, and yeah, it's 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 cool, you know. I think it's a it's a lot of uh, fun to play. If I, if I were to like make comparisons to, uh, to it, like the combat reminds you a little bit of like Dark Siders One, with a little bit of like Vagrant Story because of how like um, in Vagrant Story there's this whole like chain attack thing that like the more you attack, 
the the higher like your risk gauge would be. So like you kind of put yourself more at risk by attacking continuously. But it does this game does have like debuff effects like uh, Vagrant Story did, which I know this will make a lot of sense for a lot of people. Like oh yes, Vagrant Story. Of course, everyone remembers mm-hmm. that battle system, you know. Um, and then like with a little bit of like. Um, with a little bit of like God Eater in the sense that like it, like when you when you get to like the tier three th- uh like weapons like I rem- I was reminded of like in God Eater like when your weapon turns into like that devouring weapon which tries to like, eat up enemies this like your weapons kind of wieldy in that fun sense where like they're just kind of like feel like they're going out of control because they're so powerful at this point and you don't want to mess up because like you you take a lot of damage and like even if you take damage at that point. You'll take a lot of damage, but you're not you're not losing momentum gauge. Uh, 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 like you're not being punished for just getting hit on that. You're 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 getting punished in terms of like you take a lot more HP damage, but you're not getting punished in terms of like lessening your offensive options, which is nice. Like it's like okay, let me take the hit. I fucked up. Like, but at least let me keep on attacking in this really awesome um, mode, and that's uh, it delivers on that front. So that's just uh you know that's my, my experience so far with uh. Atlas Fallen, I think it's really cool. I think that what they're, um, it's shaping up to be be a really fun game. Like, uh, it's just one of those things. Once again, that like you'll have to come in ter- the terms of like it is in terms of like while the combat system is really cool and like the movement options are really cool in that sense, like the way it's structured is very you know modern AAA video game. Like it's a big open world. There'll be a lot. There's a map screen that like uh, with icons that'll fill up. And you're off exploring. There'll be side quests that, like you know, might not be like the most engaging side quests, but um, of with NPCs like you know pointing you a certain way, um, and, you know. So, but I'm I'm hoping that like there will be more interesting like side activities like that that totem pole challenge thing along the way. I think that is like a small glimpse of like okay, that at least also hopefully there'll be more. Different things to do in the world aside from just like, hey, go here and beat up the wraiths or like a mat or like some upgrades, you know. No, I think it looks really interesting, and I'm glad it's. I'm just glad it's not a Souls like. Yeah, you know, yeah. for deck for deck for deck thirteen, um, obviously that's kind of been what put them. I won't say put them on the map, but what a lot of their previous work points to. So I, I guess when your choices are between like. Souls-like or open-world action RPG, both of those are kind of well-worn thoughts or you know well-worn trends. But I don't know. For this one, I'm kind of more in the. If this was a Souls-like, I'd be less interested in it, and I don't really know right. why. It's like self self-reflection. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess it feels like more recently, especially with like Elden Ring, kind of blending the line between those two fields. Anyway, uh, a game can be both, or it can be one or the other. Um, and also, it looks like there is, as you've been speaking, a lot of gameplay footage from different content creators of all sizes has gone up onto YouTube. So a lot of this gameplay is, uh, I guess, out there now with different impressions uh, now that the uh, kind of the gameplay reveal trailer kind of introduced the marketing for what this gameplay is like. And now everyone's uh, been able to go hands on and share it within their different mediums of what the game feels like uh, with the release date again set for May 16th. So I think yeah, that's a good it, window for it. It doesn't it doesn't get too pushed towards a crowded holiday season uh, kind of lands in that late spring, early summer spot. Yeah, I hope it's not launches in a good state, you know, like uh, the performance aside from like, you know, the the, the edges of the map thing, like the mm-hmm. performance for me was fine. Um, so I, I've obviously, once again, it's a work in progress development build that is not reflected on the final game. And I'm hoping, you know, that the final game will 
be like in uh, fine shape. You know, hopefully we don't have like another game to talk about. It's like, well, it's just like another Wild Hearts and Wo yeah, Long. Uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> another another game that you go to over to Steam and it's overwhelmingly negative because it launches <laughs> as, as a train wreck. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it it, it, uh, it you definitely don't want it for a game like this. You know, because it's very reactive. It's very. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know the combat is very fast paced. And that that is true for those other games as well. But especially and hell, uh, campaign co-op always makes me like campaign co-op can 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 elevate even. I don't want to say Atlas Fallen is mid. I'm not saying that, but campaign co-op can elevate even the most mid of games. I so. I am very <laughs> interested to see like what the weapon options are are like. This like this, I had so much fun with just like this one weapon in uh, in this game. Like I wonder what, what other weapons are going to be like. What other sort of sorts of like weapons are they going to transform into? I wonder if it's like a weapon is like more of like a magic elemental range build or something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which uh, you know we, we we don't know yet. But uh, I'm really because the the way they structure it, it feels like you know you have like six different weapons with you because both of your attack buttons like changes to three different weapons depending on like what tier they're at on the momentum gauge. You know, they only get more crazy as they like kind of like level up. Uh, in combat, but you know, I think I think there's a real nice ebb and flow to the combat that, uh, that they have. It's a really cool, interesting concept that that really encourages like playing aggressively, playing well, playing like like as the game says, like playing with like momentum on your side. Yeah, it it does definitely feel like with the way the the health system works and with the way the weapons and the skills tear up that it's. Um... It's a game where the pacing really matters and takes into to account the action aspect of the RPG rather than just being something like Dark Souls 1 where you can just kind of tank and spank everything with a giant shield. It's more of a right. born uh, action, uh, active reload things. Mm -hmm. sort, of, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your impressions on your little bit of a vertical slice for Atlas Fallen, uh, Deck 13's new open world action RPG coming out in May. Uh, definitely one that's on my list and one that I've been interested in, even with just the initial premise. But it seems like uh, maybe I'll poke through some of the gameplay trailers themselves, uh, you know, before this comes out in May to kind of see kind of fits up my alley and it's launching at a very good time. And we'll see if it ends up holding up to its uh, potential. Yeah, I really I really hope they like kind of like reveal more of like, like that uh, preview reel that they that played at the beginning of that uh, demo, like that demo, because it actually gives you a pretty good brief breakdown. And I think. People would be like, uh, would be very interested in it more, like if they actually saw like how the game, like with the game, like you know, with the game instructions spelled out, that it's like, okay, there's like the actual like controls of the game, and like this, how the actual game like plays, like the tug of war you're playing, you know, at each encounter. I, I think, mm -hmm. I think it, it would it would serve them well if they like kind of released that in like a more polished. And also, just the fact, like I said earlier, that the gameplay trailer is very chopped up and cinematic. Or it might be interesting just to watch a um, just a person, a, a creator, just playing through the game with the full UI, just no, no, no post processing, just the game as it is. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not not having watched these. I'm assuming that's what it is. It could potentially just be B roll provided by uh, Focus Home or it, Focus it, 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 it is B roll. <laughs> oh, it is B roll. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, all, all the footage is B is B roll that uh, is being chopped up. Ah, okay. Well, maybe I'll still be able to glean something from it. The second game that we have listed here is a game that came out uh, a bit ago now, a few weeks ago, that we did uh, mention the review when it went up on the site. This is the official uh, English localization for Trails to Azure. 
uh, which Scott wrote up the review and put that up on the site over the last month. Uh, we spoke about it briefly when that review went live, and the, re the review went up early in the month when the game only released just a few days ago, uh, officially. And we kind of teased at the time that uh, Chow, Chow Min Wu, has been updating a, a guide that he originally wrote uh, for this game when it released in Japan several years ago, now that he has the official English terms and the uh, um, making sure that it can be followed and updated for the for the official NIS America release. And as, a, as an aspect of revisiting that guide, you've been playing a lot of Trails to Azure recently. Uh, I know it's been a lot of work, but we earmarked some space here for you, Chow, to talk about uh, revisiting Trails to Azure and your experience with it, um, playing the official English release for this game. You know, how much of those quality of life changes really makes an improvement to the game. Because back in the day, I think I think the reason I didn't like Zero as much as Azure, because I played like the original PSP version, and it's a slog to get through a lot of the battles because you can't skip them, and everything just kind of dragged on. And while well, playing Azure now with all these quality of life improvements, this kind of like feels like a whole different game. Now, are most of these improvements like I played the uh, I played this back with the uh, fan translation a year and a half or so back. And even then, I believe that PC port had a few speed up options or things like that. But obviously, yeah, I imp, did. They implemented I, that. Well, they had like things that you could even like skip, like uh, S craft animation, which was yeah. a thing you could do back in the day, which kind of like. I don't oh, know, I hate having to watch those. Yeah. In my opinion, it's like, you know, Super Tax is like, it's cool when you see it once, but after like when you want to see it like multiple times, you just don't really care for it, right? So. Yeah, like with those quality of life improvements, it makes a huge night and day differences. And I think I think Azure is like one of the first games that lets you sort of like skip the S craft animation. So it was kind of new, but obviously now that you know, in Western releases, like you're, it's a you're mandatory like, feature at this point. <laughs> you're like you don't really care, you know. There's also a boss fight that has a time limit. So imagine if you could skip the S crafts back in the day. Imagine imagine you're forced to watch it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not there to imagine. I did it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I'm still in the belief this is my personal favorite Trails game. It has the best Quartz system, in my opinion. It has the best of Cold Steel and the best of Sky, which is the Ordment and the Master Quartz. So you got the two together. It is literally the perfection Quartz system, in my, in my opinion. Because it's not stupid and dumbed down like Cold Steel is. And it's not overly complicated and has the best features from the sky. So that that's my, my take with the court system. And well, I didn't re I didn't re I should have realized this when I played Zero and Azure back to back when the fan translations came out. But Azure was the game that introduced the idea of Master Quartz. And I remember Master Quartz I thought was really kind of a cop out. Like they're they're basically just like all-in-one build boxes like this quartz you equip it and you are an evade tank or this quartz you, you equip it and you all of a sudden are uh, a crit a crit sweeper or whatever they're just kind of pre-packaged builds at least in cold steel that's kind of how i feel you just slap that onto someone and they're immediately all set to go where azure seems like it's not quite the level of complexity of this of the sky trilogy where you have to make sure you have certain elemental counts and you have to have like your um the, the table pulled up where it's like, I need this many of this element and this many of this element to be able to cast this spell or whatever, which at the time I really enjoyed, but the further away I get from that, the more I'm like, you know what? That was a bit overly, overly designed. Uh, I do agree that Azure and Zero, even though it doesn't have the master ports, 
Uh, I just I like the court system in both games uh, a lot more than how far it got simplified down into the Cold Steel Cold Steel series. Yeah, I mean, it basically gets the best of the both worlds. I know people kind of like, I don't know, they don't look at the story the same way. Uh, I personally think that this has the best story, in my opinion, because it sticks the landing. A lot of the Trails games don't really sticks the landing. You know, there there's plot twists that, that pays off. There's characters that are menacing, you know, that, you know, it's like, if you look at Osborne in Trails to Azure, it's like, this guy is like totally mm. a menacing threat and now he's a fucking clown in cold steel 4 so it's like or even lector it's like this is a character that they built up throughout this entire franchise and careful now <laughs> i didn't say anything <laughs> but you know it's like i don't know like in my opinion you know if if there wasn't cold steel 4 or all the cold steel games i think this is like one of my would definitely be like my favorite RPGs of all time. But like when you look at like in the retrospective, it's like from all the later games, it kind of done this game dirty. You know, I, I, I it, yeah, like when I was thinking about this when Trails to Azure was coming out. And like when I was thinking about like, like my review of this game, if I were to review it now, would be a very different review from how, from when I first played it. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely get you on that front where like, it's not. It's not just a cross bell alone. Like Sky suffers a little bit. This is like, like, you know. I, I'm just really. There's still, certain. There's I'm just really like, not. A, I'm not a fan of elements like... from from Sky that later games kind of dulls the edge. And I got into yeah. like an argument with somebody the other day about a specific thing from Sky, where it's like the way it's presented back then, and then the way they kind of recontextualize it later it's like yeah that feels like a cop-out in, in a vacuum i really really like zero and azure azure like well like azure at the time when i first played it on psp was like it felt like a really magical game it's like man you can really pull off a lot of stuff like it like it felt like a very very complete game even on like a psp umd you know you think about like this like the limitations of like psp at that time and like they really cram it felt like they crammed a lot into this game to make it work it felt very, very fully featured uh, from you know beginning to end, and like you said, it really gives you a great send out of that cross bell duology. It's like, wow, you know, Fal Falcom's fucking amazing at what they're doing, and and like you know when you when you think about like it really brought me back to the time like we really went from Azure to Cold Steel One, and like I remember like the really big, 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 big backlash from um, when they first revealed Cold Steel One in Japan. Uh, you know, everyone was still very high off of like Azure, and it's like, man, what is this series becoming now? Like, this is a weird um, turn, well, I guess. Steel One left a very bad first expression, but as you play on, it becomes a very, a very good game in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, like, 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 looking back and like knowing what you know now, it's like, it's like, okay, like, you know, Cold Steel One, not, not. Not bad, you know. I I like, still think like in a vacuum, Cold Steel one and three are very good, and it's funny. It's like so many people you could kind of gauge how they're going to feel about that entire arc, about how they feel about Cold Steel one versus Cold Steel two. Almost mm -hmm. everyone that generally prefers Cold Steel one versus Cold Steel two, I'm sorry, bro, you're not going to like it at the end of the arc. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just something about it, you know. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, uh, but Azure just like it's like you said, Sean, it 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 manages the balance. Of, you know, the 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 most interesting systems. You know that um, Sky and like certain elements of Cold Steel, like that started to develop. But Azure was also kind of was like the there were there were new aspects about Azure at the time that felt like in retrospect, it was also the poison that like the the, the drip of poison that like just poisoned the whole well. Yeah, it wasn't the well, because there's <laughs> one part, it's like, okay, so there's some very drastic story moments in 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 Azure, like, some very, like, shock you to the core, then they just don't have, like, the balls to, like, go out with it. It, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, Final Fantasy IV. It's like, all these characters end up dying, and they magically show up in the end, and they're all fine. You know, it's like, they, they don't have the guts to go this one drastic direction. Either you do it or you don't. Don't, don't, don't just do a cop on just, you know, and just say everything's okay at the end, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that hurt the, the storytelling and the aspect in the long run. And there are some moments that kind of set up, like, couché in Azure, like, that you'll see in, like, later Cold Steel games where every time Reen tried to summon Balamar, it'll be like, Balamar! And it'll be their friends coming out, and there no need for that. <laughs> after actually started that, which is uh-huh. yeah, there would be like these parts. Oh man, we can't fight these guys, even though you've been kicking these guys' ass all the time. And they're like, oh man, we need. It's like, what do we do? Your friends in, comes out. In general, I think Azure and Zero, the fact that it is just a duology, I think pays dividends in so many ways. You don't have villains that stick around too long. Well, I say that even though I know some of them reappear in Reverie. So hooray. Um, so that they don't become like non-threatening because you fought them a thousand times and you're like, oh, yep, McBurn's still dangerous. Trust us. You fought him a thousand times, but believe me, he's powerful. Um, and then like the, the the areas and the ideas don't get too like long in the tooth. They can do this really clever thing. There's this very clever bit, the story revelation. Obviously, I'm not going to say it here, but there's one at the very end of Azure that explains a thing in Zero. That is just very neat and tidy that I think if it was four games between the two instead of just two, wouldn't have hit nearly as hard. Um, so I think basically to sum it down and paint it with a really wide brush, Cold Steel was just too many games. And I say that having not played Hajimari, which I know is not officially a Cold Steel game, but it has a lot of the same cast. I think um, we could have done it with three games. Just the, 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 I, I really appreciate that Zero and Azure is two games and the first game kind of has a very standalone central conflict while introducing many of the the longer term threads um where i think cold seal is just too much too big too long so that by the time you're in game four game five a lot of the interest or excitement's just kind of gone where in azure by the time your interest is waning it's over it's concluded you've hit the the climax and now you're on the denouement or whatever you want to call it so I really just appreciate, especially the fact that it's a limited playable cast, especially in a Zero's case and things like that. Um, so that's that's my general opinion on why, like, you know, Crossbell has always been this sort of white whale. Like, well, is it really as good as people say it is? Or are people just saying that because it hasn't been localized? It's the it's you know it's it's the forbidden fruit. Therefore, people think it's good. It's one of the few cases where I played it and like, you know what? This actually genuinely genuinely is really good. Generally, I think it has the best pacing for most of the Trails games. Because, okay, I know a lot of people's favorite Trails games probably Trails in the Sky the Third, 
but my beefs with that game is nothing really happens until the last quarter of the game. It has a very, it has the ultra highest moment of any trailer game. But to get there, it just takes forever. You're in this wild goose chase where these characters just keep, you know, just giving you like mixed signals. And it's like, oh yeah, not happening. Next chapter, not happening. Next chapter, repeat that like five times and, and all the stuff just coming all at once in the last quarter of the game. You know? I think I think what benefits the third is that since the franchise was still so new and there wasn't as much of an expectation, it really kind of works to its benefit because it's allowed to be kind of more of a slower paced game, more of a kind of like character driven game. And like that's you really see it at the end there where it's like they're like still like there's I still don't think I played a game with quite as much catharsis as like the very ending of trolls in the sky, the third with all the characters that like you've grown to love, just kind of like being very, very down to earth. And it's like, yeah, goodbye. But, and, and all that, it's just like really, really good. It's an awesome send off. I think that it has like the best ending of all the trails games, but like I'm saying, like it's not my favorite just because of how the game is paced. It's not evenly paced. It's just like, it just throws everything in the last quarter. If I don't know, like if you're just kind of like playing it like casually, it's like you might get like bored of it before you get to where the game start to pick up. You know, it's like the third, the third, yeah, the third is more gameplay centric uh, yeah. more than anything. And you're I, completely you're... ignoring that this is like a vignette style game where yeah. you're getting little intro, you know, little like character focused mini stories all throughout. It's not about like a front to back plot line. Yeah, so much. Yeah, I, I there's nothing wrong that. with that, but it's just very different from like you know, and like you know how normal RPGs tell their story. I think I think it makes that just makes it unique and interesting yeah. in my opinion. I think yeah, Zero but and Azure are basically capture some, not all, the strengths of Third, packaged in a more conventional way. Yeah. Also, yeah. and I want to stress here. Obviously, a lot of us on this uh, this podcast generally aren't as hot on Cold Steel as. I would argue most people we're we're very much a bubble here. So if you're listening to this and you prefer cold steel, it's your favorite arc. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. And also like a lot of the strengths that we were just talking about with the third, like reverie has that it, it, it does. So people uh, have that to look forward to in a couple uh, months. So. You, you know what I got to say though, Lloyd, Lloyd, one hell of a protagonist and like a really interesting and, and uh, weapon of choice, like compared to like most RPGs, mm-hmm. you know? So like the electric, like Tonfa's baton <laughs> sort of thing that he has going on. It's like, it's kind of like, I, 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 I like when like RPGs kind of like just give their main character a really like unconventional weapon that you don't see like in others because you know, a lot of RPGs like, yeah, like yeah, I have a sword. Okay, he has cool. the Tompas because his yeah. whole thing is he wants to protect Crossbell, so he That's has right. a very defensive weapon. I just gotta get over that barrier somehow. Thanks, child. We were almost there without saying it. <laughs> I will say the Zero and Azure uh, peak Talcum Sound team. Really, some really I don't know. Right I don't know, Josh. I, I feel like uh, hoping that Ch- uh, Chow wouldn't bring that up was a bit of an inevitable struggle. <laughs> Dying here. You, you guys oh. suck. <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, uh, the Falcom sound, like the Zero and Azure, especially Azure, are still one of the most memorable OSTs for me when it comes to Falcom games. It's, it has a really, really, really good, well-rounded OST. I'm looking forward to uh, when Adam, the way he like marathons things and like neat packages, he's going to show up randomly like in early June and be like, yep, okay, over the last week I've played Zero, Azure, and Neuta or, or whatever. Uh, I guess he wouldn't have played a Neuta by then. But he'll 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 played all like all of the releases from the last. Yeah, couple years. yeah like no, we'll, we'll blink and like uh, we we'll, we won't check up with Adam for a week. It's like I'm done with zero Azure, Cold Steel one through four. I even <laughs> played Reverie somehow, and I learned Japanese and Kuro one and two all in a week. <laughs> so, and then he's right. gonna be like, let, let let me explain to you why why Nayuta is the best trails game ever. <laughs> That'd be an amazing feature, actually. <laughs> I would love that. That's called the Adam AI. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I, I still, I, I, I don't know. I, I still think this is my my favorite game from the Trails franchise right now. Like, um, going through Cold Steel, I, I would stick with the first game now being my personal favorite out of the four. That's I, interesting, I, which is kind of weird, you know, because the game starts off leaving a very terrible impression. We have a a protagonist lands on a on a girl's breast, and you're like, and he gets slapped. Yeah, and, and then you're like. Oh my god, like what am I playing here? Is this is this trails? And I don't know, like somehow it slowly worked out. There are some stupid character moments that makes you kinda wonder it's like what is with this forced conflict? But I I guess like the game kinda kinda learns to when to end, which the later games doesn't learn to. They kinda got stupidly long. I, I, okay, this will this will be I, I don't know if you're uh... Were you around the time? This is a lot of this, like maybe fucking. This is a long time ago, a long time ago. But do you remember uh, in the JoJo's manga run when they ended uh, part seven and then when they introduced Steel Ball Run? They just introduced that as Steel Ball Run. No one knew it was a JoJo's yet until like way later on. So, like, there was like speculation whether it was a JoJo or not, but like, but it had that mystery around Steel Ball Run. Where it's like this is such a weird premise, weird characters in a Rocky style, but like we don't know if it's actually connected to JoJo at all. Do you remember like sort of like that era? Of, I remember like, that era, but I yeah, was into JoJo back in the day. Yeah, I, I didn't but, read it up. I was like, damn. Yeah, like, but yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of wish there was like a way for like games to kind of like mimic that, but of course, games need to have like an official title to them and everything. So like. I kind of wish when they like introduced Cold Steel, like they just left out the Legend of Heroes trails part of it and like just called it something else. And like, and like you didn't know it was like related to trails at all until like the very end or something. Or, or like, okay, I, I mean, I, that would have been hard to do considering like, you, you know, the whole name of the country. Yeah, I, I, I know, but I just wish there was a way to like kind of give like, like Cold Steel that like air of mystery that Steel Ball Run had. I think that would have been really cool for no, it. I, like, actually, give it a, um, I actually felt like that playing Cold Steel One because I, I have to, I haven't touched um what is it zero for like maybe like ten odd years since that time and I have kind of like forgot about the Trails franchise by then so I sort of like forgotten it and then I went back to beat Azure later after playing the Cold Steel after playing Cold Steel One so that effect sort of sort of happened to me actually mm-hmm. okay okay yeah but like you still knew that like it was still tangentially related 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was like kind of related. I just I haven't played it in such a while, so I, so I kind of forgot the details that these games were connected for a second, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh. No. You know. I will say that like Hajimari is, for me, who's only caught up on the English releases, it's, it's like the only one that's purely at least standalone in, t- in terms of the way it's titled, but obviously has protagonists from both Crossbell and uh, Cold Steel. I have no idea if it bridges to Kuro to what extent. So I'm like, I mean, I'm interested. I will just, just say be- this now. I will just say this now. And I think I have mentioned it on the podcast before. Uh, in many ways, Kuro is more of a follow-up to uh, Reverie than uh, pretty much any other game in the series. Like, it very deliberately, like, directly follows up on the events of Reverie in some weird, interesting ways. Okay. Like, obviously, the chronology I wasn't ever in doubt of, but just the way that it's packaged as it's... Like, every other game, it's like you have the Trails trilogy, the... the... Crossbell, or sorry, the Sky Trilogy, the Crossbell Duology, the Cold Seal is a four set. And then Kuro is now a pair. But Hajimari That's is kind of its own thing. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. And I, I'm glad that I took the time to get caught up last year uh, to see kind of where I, Hajimari goes. I, I think I think Reverie, for me, like uh, as someone who's, who's like played it and like uh, and has like very and knows what I like out of RPGs, what I don't like out of RPGs. Um, the complaints that people will have out of Reverie will t- either tell me that like they know what they want out of RPGs or don't know what they want out of RPGs <laughs> in a weird way because like I I, I, really, like, the... I, 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 I really I really like Reverie. I think I think Reverie has like some of the most horrendous menuing in an RPG I've played in the last twenty years. Hmm. Trails Reverie to walk is very funny because there's like aspects of that game that i think are like some of the worst in the series and then there's aspects of it that are some of the best mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. just that overall package st- still somehow manages to be one of my favorite trails games it's just i, I will say just as, again as an outsider it's hard for me not to just think of it as this is trails from cold steel 5 starring lloyd plus mysterious third character it, it sure is great how two out of the three routes in that game are are good and one is bad and the one it's bad is probably not the one you would expect to be bad. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, was I, say, I I heard the same thing from my, all my friends. They're like, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting. Uh... <laughs> the way they've said it is like the best route is done by a new writer, while the like the. The bad routes are done by like the veteran writers. Or something I like that. don't think there's actually any proof of that. But I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I've never. I didn't do any research like, to actually verify any of those claims. But you know, well, I, I heard there's a lot. I was going to take people at their word. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the what the reception to that is going to be like. But man, I hope. I wonder if the route they did anything to make the menuing better in that game. Oh my god. Please. Before one last thing. Um, okay. There was, if, if anyone was able to beat Trails to Azure, there is a very good send off message to uh, to Scott. Um, uh, he was like the lead. Yeah, we mentioned it like when uh, Quinton and um, yeah. yes. Colin were here. Yeah, they, they mentioned that. Really so, touching. Yeah. So, Farewell to one of, the, one of the development team, you know, that sadly passed away, you know, as they were localizing. Uh, Azure, Scott Tijerina or Tijerina from really, really uh, classy of NIS America to, to yeah. keep that in there, include it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, uh, 
Chow, for going through your current thoughts and allow, kicking off the discussion for the current state of trails as we all look forward to, at least all, me, look forward to uh, Trails into Reverie later this year and finally going to the official Kuro era, supposedly, at least here on the West. We'll, we'll still be behind uh, Japan, of course, but it feels like that gap is very slowly but steadily narrowing. So we'll see. Um, who knows when we'll see an official. We talked last week, of course, about East 10, also from Falcom, of course. Uh, and then one other tiny bit of Falcom news I'll just throw in here. Uh, this is, again, a uh, Japanese-focused uh, news headline. But Adam's favorite Falcom game, Tokyo Xanadu. I actually don't know if that's true. Um, Tokyo, Z Tokyo Xanadu EX is going to be releasing for Nintendo Switch in Japan on June 29th. So this is the uh, the version of the game that had an added uh, epilogue and a PC port back in 2017. We'll be making its way to uh, to Switch in Japan this summer. I, I actually did a guide for Tokyo Xanadu. I, I don't have a bad time with this game, but it's very, I think, I think the best term to describe it, it's very high mid. How's that? It's, it's high not, mid. It's, it's, it's not insulting, but it's not, you know, it's not like, Amazing, excellent. It's just kind of like it. I mean, uh, it's one. It's one of the better Falcom soundtracks, you know. <laughs> because, well, soundtrack uh, is it's definitely good. It's like yeah. you can't really go wrong with. Well, I mean, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, 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 I will say that you know, Falcom recently, like, some of their soundtracks aren't that great recently, you know. And you so, know who to play. <laughs> Uh, like uh, like uh, that, that's what I'm saying that like Falcom now needs to like reach a bar where like their soundtracks are good again. You're right, so, Chow. I do know who to blame. Kato. High mid sounds like a statement that you'd say when like it's like Eurojank only when Eurojank doesn't apply. <laughs> it's it's high mid. I don't like these terms. They don't fucking mean anything. I'm it's not, kind of, I'm not sure if I want to use the term Eurojank when we just had that thing about JRPGs like, uh, like earlier this that's month. A, that's a good point. You're, when you say Eurojank, uh, you don't say you, well, you, you, you don't say you, JRPGs uh, okay, affectionately. Okay, yeah, okay. Like, uh, what, what is this? Now? Are we saying that like, oh, if you if you if you say if you say KMMOs Eurojank and JRPGs are your races or something? I wasn't here for that podcast episode. But like for me, those are just like signifier terms that like um, make a point, uh, make a point, uh, communicate a point across efficiently in, in a very short manner. I've always thought of them as like, a, I've always thought of them as like a heuristic. They're like a quick rule of thumb where you have to introduce the idea and then contextualize what you mean, rather than the term itself stating everything definitively. So if you say yeah, Eurojank, well, then the context of the conversation will determine whether you're saying it endearingly. And to be honest, it talks about whether you're talking about a game like Elex or a game like Elex 2. One is your own jank and the other one is your own jank. But like, like, I think, I think that the, 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 the that if you say JRPG, your race is like, is like to me is insane, <laughs> frankly. But, so you know, it's a heuristic like... to introduce an, an idea, which then you dial down the intent with I the don't rest think... of your context. I don't think anyone reasonable is actually trying to say you're racist if you use the term JRPG. Just personally, I am no longer using that term just because I, I do understand the idea where it's like it's othering RPGs from Japanese developers. And it's like yeah, it's putting at them that in a point, box that they RPG. don't want to be in. I mean, if, if I if I need to communicate something like it, say if it's a turn based RPG or is an RPG made in Japan, I will say JRPG. You know, I'm not going to mm -hmm. if, if, if you think badly about for me saying something like 
characterizing like a game that like to communicate a point efficiently, uh, you know, in a span of time, then so be it. You know, if, if I'm talking about a game that's made in Japan, you know, that's an RPG, and I just have to say JRPG, you know, then so be it. You know, I'm not gonna that like. Again, uh, for, I'm only for, speaking for, for, for myself. Me. I'm only yeah, speaking for myself. I know, I know, but I, I'm just saying. But like, uh, to, for me, it's like a lot of it's like uh, based on the intent, intent of the person. I don't think a lot of people don't like say JRPG like with like a bad intent. Uh, mm-hmm. In my opinion, there are there's, there's certainly some, especially like you know people in that era, like when people talk about like the the like 2013, 2014, and so forth. Like definitely, there are some bad eggs in that era that like they use that term jrpg in an insulting way but for some people that's like say oh they hear jr they, they hear jrpg but the, 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 like a game like, oh Japan. holy shit that's exactly yeah, what i'm here for exactly and you know that, that could be a, a, a good thing for them you know mm-hmm. like so i think it's not it's not a bad term in my opinion. It, yeah. like, it's, a, it's, it's more it's more the intent of the person saying it but the term itself in my opinion is not like Bad. On the other yeah. note, though, I remember seeing like uh, around the same time this started a few weeks ago that somebody brought up this uh, quote from the Octopath Traveler director where he's like, uh, when we make games, we don't set out to make JRPGs. We just Is set that, out to make uh, RPGs. Obviously, like, you know, when when, they're, when you're when you're a game creator in Japan and you're like you're developing something, they're not they're not like thinking, oh, yes, we're making a Japanese RPG. It's like, no, dude, they're fucking making a video. Yeah, game. Like, yeah. Like a genre. The only thing I would say is, is that when you say, oh, well, people use like the term JRPG also as a positive. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what I want from a JRPG. I can also see the like counter argument where it's like sometimes the developers, they don't want to be in that box. They're making a game and they don't want to have that baggage of, oh, it has to be a JRPG. It has to be part of this specific subgenre that's completely fucking arbitrary. I, uh, to me, it's just to explain a, a concept succinctly to, 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 to the point, you know? Like when I say JRPG, I'm not speaking for the developer. I'm not saying, oh, you know, like I'm not I'm not trying to put words in their mouth. It's just like when you're trying to communicate yeah. something to someone, it's the, it's not to be freaking racist. It's just and say, it's, oh, that's the kind of game that like, you know it might be into. Just to be clear, <laughs> I'm not I'm not calling anyone racist here. God. I know, I know you're I know you're not, but I'm just like to counter your point on that. It's not it's not like when European developers say, Oh, we're making a Eurojank game, you know, they're not saying Eurojank. They're <laughs> <laughs> making Elix or something. <laughs> I still maintain uh, okay, that well, El- Elix One is worth playing, and Elix Two was my biggest disappointment of last year. Oh, but so, in other news, can we talk about Tokyo Xenadu? Uh, go play the <laughs> go play the Switch version uh, when it releases in Japan. Yeah, do, do not play the Vita version. Uh, I think the best thing they ever included in X is they upscaled the difficulty because in the original game you can't even die if you tried. Yeah, for those who aren't familiar, Tokyo Xanadu is like a real-time action rpg dungeon crawler type of game it's it's sort of a mix it's not like a turn-based game like trails but it's not quite like full action rpg like an east game it's it's there's like a dungeon element to it which is a little bit different it's kind of like zy2 because you have a bunch of crates you're busting up mm-hmm. uh, a partner that you can, you can tell through. like i played the pc version and I, I don't i don't mean this too disparagingly but it's like you have to kind of remember that this was a vita game originally so it's going to be pretty simple in like the layout and the design and whatnot so yeah Tokyo Zandu is a game where I think it's legitimately good but I think that conversely like what um like 
the more Falcom games you've played, maybe the less likely you are to enjoy it, just because there is so much, like, there are so many references in that game where, if, like, you've played a shit ton of Falcom games, you realize it's, like, not a single, like, actually unique thing about this game's plot anywhere. It reuses so many different plot elements from other games, and there's, like, all of these references to other Falcom games literally everywhere where it's just, like, I... It crosses a point from being, oh, that's a neat little reference to, is there anything here that's actually a fresh or unique idea? This, all, is, this, is, not, this is not really a spoiler, but I, I kind of like the the relationship that forms between the two main characters. Yeah. Like, it's not romantic. They're kind of like, we will die for each other, but we're not necessarily... It's like kind of a good balance between like platonic and potentially romantic. But it's, I think it's just a really good like. Is it weird to say that? And is it weird to say that the sort of vibes I get is it's not romantic, but somehow it feels like they've been married for like ten years. Yeah, it's the sort of thing like where if the two characters said like, "Let's start dating," all right, or like, "Like let's go meet other people," all right, like I could. It's believable either way. I think, it and I, like they're so in tune with each other. That's a very nebulous concept, but I actually really kind of like that strong platonic, potentially but not requisite romantic kind of pairing rather because that is more interesting than just like these two are shipped they're together deal with it i don't know <laughs> I, I have a random question for you guys has anyone watched this anime called buddy daddies yeah dude that's a that's a that, that's a cool show two dads uh, uh, the reason why i'm asking you is like uh do you remember the bartender uh q i think it's yeah, like yeah yeah q or something yeah, yeah there, there's a teacher in in tokyo xanadu uh, Goro Seki. He looks just like Kyu, and they have the same voice actor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I know, wears glasses, same brown hair, same haircut. It's like. All right. Uh, also, also, Toa is in final or is in a uh, Tokyo Xanadu for some and, reason. And but it's not. But it's not the same Toa, to right? Nope. It's just. It's just. It's Toa, just like transplanted into another world. Yep. And she's her oh, a mascot. <laughs> a mascot character. What if they put Toa in East Ten? They get murdered. <laughs> no explanation. Just yeah. her, her name is Toa. She looks the same. She sounds the same. It's fucking She's over at that point. <laughs> you know it's over. It's so over. The last game that we have earmarked here to talk about very quickly is not an RPG, but it's a. Uh, I don't want to say it's recent release because it's still in beta, but something that uh, Josh has been playing and has had a few thoughts on. We figured, why not? We can spend a little bit of time talking about it. That is Exo Primal. Now I'm going to set the stage to how little I know about this game. To me, okay, let's go. this is this is I've seen a little bit about this game back when it was uh, announced. Multiplayer Dino Crisis is kind of uh, like uh, it's something it? to do with dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Multiplayer, multiplayer focused, mm -hmm. mission based game. I don't know anything else about it. Is it right, it's right. summoning raptors. It, it is. It does have dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are involved. It is being made by Capcom. Um, it is not Dino Crisis. When they first uh -huh. unveiled this game, everyone thought it was, and then they're like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> and like, does okay. it play like Dino Crisis? Like, it does not play like Dino Crisis. If you, if you tell me this plays like Dino Crisis no. too, I'll be like totally sold on this game. Because I, uh, I, I mean, it, it does have an arcade quality to it, like Dino Crisis too. Uh, but it's not like Dino Crisis two at all. Outside of like being more of an arcade game esque. Um, yeah, Exo Primal is this uh, PVEVP project uh, from Capcom. 
Um, and they're holding an open beta for it. Uh, me and a few, a few friends have been checking it out. It's a pretty cool game um, so far, where the basically the the one mode that they've been really promoting in it is like this five v five mode, and there's like um, there's like the like the Holy Trinity model. You have like your DPS characters, your tank characters, and your support characters. And like your know, your character gets into these exosuits, and they all have different kits. They have different abilities. They have an ult, um, and but they all play pretty differently in a pretty interesting way. Like your standard, you know, like soldier character, um, you know, your standard DPS class has like you know an assault rifle, has like a grenade launcher, assault rifle that can use to like blast out dinos, um. And like the and their ult is like like summoning like a whole arsenal of like missiles uh around them to like fire forward uh and so forth. While like uh, another like interesting uh cool character archetype uh that I enjoyed was like this uh exosuit called Budasame. It's like a samurai character, but unlike other like samurai archetypes in um other games where you know the samurai is like kind of like uh a glass cannon sorts of sorts. Um, this one is like placing that tank character in like the tank class. So they like to be in the front lines up close to the dinos, slashing them with their sword. And like and the the main gimmick of the this samurai character is like they do like a 360 slash with their katana. They get aggro on the dinos and then like they you can you have like a, a counter stance or like you have like an EI stance where they place their uh, katana back in the sheath as they're absorbing hits. And once they get a proper amount of hits, they do like a big uppercut that does a shitload of damage to like everything around it. Um, and like powers up their katana and like goes like on a rampage with it. And like that's a really cool character archetype. But the like the flow of the game is like really weirdly, it's like interesting. And I don't know if I like like it yet. Like in sorts of like I can see it get it getting repetitive. Where the at first, like the two uh teams of five are like they don't interact with each other directly they're like at a race essentially like you go from uh, you go from point a to point b like killing dinos as fast as possible um around the map uh you have like this like this uh watcher like npc like guiding you around and like giving you that update saying you're going flat faster you're going slower than like the enemy team and like you're the whole phase of this part of the game with your team is like killing dinos as fast as efficiently as possible and uh there'll be like certain points around the uh that part of the match for like the enemies can kind of like interrupt each other like like there's like these items called dominators for uh one of the enemy teammates will like summon like a dinosaur into your game and like don't take control of it and like they'll be like you know, to, like, mess with your team and, like, trying to slow you down as, like, you're trying to, like, whittle them down uh, as well. And then, you know, uh, mo- most of the games that I've played have, like, been neck and neck, so, like, there's a nice pace to it where, like, if you guys are, you know, doing what you're supposed to, you know, it'll be a pretty close game, and usually, like, uh, after a certain point, you'll go to, like, the final stage of the uh, of the game, like, a final mission of sorts. Um, so, like, so far, like the, this, uh, this turns into like a different like sort of game where um, it'll be like sort of like Overwatch at at times where when you get uh, transported to this final mission, like there's like a payload that all you have to like gather out and push very slowly to like the end goal. But you know, the like if the enemies are like are on pace with you, they'll also be summoned in the same instance. 
where they also have to push a payload and like you can uh, you have to find the balance between like pushing together and like disrupting the enemy team all while like dinos are being spawned all around the map and attacking both teams and there'll be like certain times during like the uh in the map where like you can get dominators again and like uh interrupt them with like your own controller our, our what's what, what's the team size is, is this like four player co-op teams or 5v5 five five at the, at the, okay. the yeah, the only the only mode right now in the open beta is five v five, and there's also like a different sort of like different final mission aside from like pushing the payload, where like you have like these hammers um, that you're trying to charge up. So like uh, uh, one of your teammates or you will wield the hammer, and you're trying to charge it up by like um, essentially just holding it, and then like if you uh, beat up a lot of dinos, dinos with like the hammer smash, it all like charge it up a lot and you're trying to like charge it up to 100% to like smash down these like these like nodes or pillars pillars uh and then like you go through like maybe two or three cycles of these uh and try and try to do this before like the enemy team and then the final pillar is like contested in uh between both of those teams directly where like it's either your team or the enemies the hammer uh, enemy hammer smashes out down this final pillar and so like it tries to like you know have this bout of like PvEVP, where like, you know, the first part of the like the match is like mainly PvE focused, kind of like a sort of like a time trial challenge of sorts mm-hmm. until like the final phase of the match, where usually you're pitted against the other team if it's like neck and neck. If you're like you're so far ahead, then like it'll never get to that part where you just have to like, if you're so far ahead, you just won't, you'll just like kind of like automatically win if you like kind of do your objectives as fast as possible. Um, it's it's been a really fun experience because like I I think about like Lost Planet two a lot when I play this game because like like the exosuits and their designs and like their kits are like all really fun and unique. Um, with like the, the all the several characters that I play like there's like a like a crossbow demolitionist type person that uh, like specializes on like you know nailing their sticky bombs on uh, dinos to like do a lot of AOE damage. There's like this uh, unique like flyer support character that does like waves. Of like healing that if like if it uh, hits uh, a dinord enemy player it like disrupts them, and like and they have their they have like a black hole skill that like sucks in, uh, has a vacuum effect so like it's good for like like you know getting a lot of like efficient kills if you place that that down correctly, and I I think a lot about like this game is really hard to sell like this type of game because it's, it's it seems to be multiplayer focused, and. But like when you think about like the modern landscape of multiplayer focused games, like I don't know how this game will thrive because like it is being sold out of the gate for sixty dollars. On top of that, it'll have like a, a, a battle pass system where like, you have a free battle pass, and if you uh, spend a little bit more, you'll unlock the premium battle pass. You know, and like uh, supposedly the battle passes only have cosmetics in them, but it's you know supposed to get you know make you feel good about, good about you know playing more, progressing. Like to me, like my, when I think about like multiplayer games that I like in the past, I like playing them because I just like playing the game experience, like Counter Strike, for example, or like Quake or Unreal Tournament. Like I played them because I like playing the game, not necessarily to like I didn't need like an additional incentive to like, you know, have like a raise me account level, you know, to get goodies for them. It's just like I just like playing them, you know. Um, I know this is also coming to Game Pass Day one as well for Xbox, so hopefully that'll like. You know, have and I and this game will have like full crossplay across all the platforms it's releasing for, which is good. 
But I really hope that, like, you know, this game finds a way to, like, succeed in, like, a meaningful way, because, like, what are the player numbers of this game, like, six months from now, a year from now, you know? I just think about, like, even, like, a free-to-play uh, free game that, that I really like, like, Gundam Evolution, you know, like, it's, even, even when you're, when you're a free game that has, like, that battle pass system and, like, that in-game monetization style, like, you're still not free from, like, dwindling player numbers if, like, your content rollout isn't that interesting. Um, or, 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 like, if the schedule for content rollout isn't that interesting these days, you know, that's kind of what you need, what you need to survive is, like, something that really continuously, like, evolves at a, like, at a pretty speedy pace when I think about, like, Halo Infinite and, like, how much I really enjoyed the multiplayer of that and how quickly that died out, that interest, because, like, the content rollout, you know, just, it, it wasn't there. Um, and I don't know if that, like, has been rectified, but, like, but it's just, like, I'm just, like, so disinterested in that game because of, like, the first impression that I got in the front, like, the first few months when I was playing that multiplayer. And and that, and now, when you think about Excel Primal, which is a really, like, neat and novel concept and, like, has the bells and whistles to be, like, a really engaging and fun game, but because of the way they're rolling it out and the ways they're distributing it, it's just, like, will this game find not, not only just a player base, but a player base that is willing to, like, stick with it for a, a good amount of time so you're always like being matched up with like real players you know because right now this game needs a community to, to survive to like have you know matches essentially you know i know so. it's not quite the um uh when you were describing the gameplay and like the the character based system in this game it's not it's not quite the same but my I kept thinking of games like Dead by Daylight, which is kind of an asymmetrical oh, yeah. game where you where you pick yeah. a person to play against you. So this is a bit different because it's more team based. So that's why I guess where the Overwatch comparisons comes in. But I feel like they're kind of going for that audience where it's like it'll be on Game Pass and be like, hey, do you want to do a couple rounds of Exo Primal? And it'll just sort of be sort of that thing where hopefully they have the content stream where there'll be something new and exciting, whether it's a new class, new new biome. Uh, different gameplay modes or tweaks or things like that, or that's going to really determine whether this game um, not only have a good like rollout when it, both with the beta now and when it, version 1.0, but just so that continuous development focus of tweaks and you know updates. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like, yeah, it's like even then, like the only reason like my friends and I are, like like really playing this on like a lot of this open beta this week because we don't even know if we're going to get the full game, you know, because like. Because a lot of them are like, you know, sixty dollars is like kind of like a big ask for this kind of game. Like, are we gonna mm -hmm. still play it? And I guess, and that reminds me, like, sometimes I'll have friends who be like, "Hey, want to do a couple?" And it's been months, but hey, do you want to do a couple rounds of Dead by Daylight? And it's like, sure, but I admit that I got that game for free on an Epic Game Weekly free thing, right? <laughs> sort right. of thing where, uh, so I guess you kind of have the Game Pass, or if you've already subscribed, then you play it, not for free, but with your current, you know, burden or whatever. So maybe 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 the game pass is kind of a key uh mark a key strategy here for this game. Yeah, well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that works out for them because I th I think it's a really like they have a really cool concept on their hands and like because of like the the weather reports are done by 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 like dinosaurs like oh today's like a a mildly uh, mild chance of like raining raptors uh, on Thursday. You know? I, I appreciate the camp actually. Uh, yeah, in general, yeah. not not just for dinosaur games, but games in general. I feel like. Oh, no one will take us seriously if we don't take ourselves seriously. Like, no, I like games that allow themselves to be silly or goofy 
even though I haven't played it, but I do like how Hi-Fi Rush kind of seemed mm-hmm. to like, yes, we are a video game for fun. We have a story, we have a narrative, but it we don't have to treat this like high art for it to be a really yeah, the, 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 yeah yeah there's a balance to it yeah, yeah you know you can still be a video game and still have a fun like way to tell your story and premise mm. and all that you know you just don't have to like uh, have like a mocking tone to it i'd say yeah like, there, there, there there there's a chance there is the uh you know propensity to go too far and just take yourself not seriously enough but yeah we yeah, had that, more that, towards that, the center sounds... and less towards the grim dark or the or the super serious. Yeah, the the the, the tone of this is like I think I think it strikes it just right. That's like it's kind of like it's like it's kind of it's stupid, but it's like sure, why not? You know, like and I, I think the technology behind it is like really really cool. Like this game, like is not afraid to spawn spawn like tons and tons of dinosaurs on screen at once, mm-hmm. and like and the performance on the PC my PC has been doing well for it. You know, handling it pretty well, and it's just like you don't see enough like like a lot of dinosaur games these days especially not on this scale in terms of like how much are on screen at once it's cool it's cool well that was kind of a bit of a strange lineup for the games we've been playing section but uh thank you josh for sharing your thoughts on both atlas fallen uh the preview opportunity that you had as well as some initial thoughts on exoprimal which is not quite in our wheelhouse and we likely won't get another chance to talk about it so kind of cool to give it a little bit of a look in here and then of course uh, Chow for giving us an, an opportunity to talk about Trails to Azure, kind of a recent release in all in all respects. Well, not in all respects, in a very particular respect for the uh, Western English audience that we kind of skipped because most of us have already played it. So it kind of gives an opportunity to look back at where Trails is in the West and, of course, look forward to both uh, Reverie and Nayuta later this year. The news lineup this week is a little bit lighter, but before we go into that, there are two features that went up on the site this last week that are both kind of uh, just interesting op-eds. And one is by Adam here, and one is by James. Uh, Adam had the opportunity to play through uh, one of his favorite games, Valkyrie Profile. Again, this game released uh, late last year, I believe in December for the PlayStation Network. Uh, And Adam was able to play through that game again on his PlayStation 5 and took the opportunity not to review it because reviewing a port like that's a bit silly, but just kind of uh, revisit the game and then write up his thoughts on why he thinks that Valkyrie Profile has had uh, you know, the staying power it's had and been so well regarded. And when people play games like Valkyrie Elysium, wondering like whether it does or doesn't quite hit the same vibe, the same thoughts, the same uh, space that Valkyrie Profile did back in the day. So I don't know if you had any additional thoughts or more uh, clarity that you wanted to put on your feature or just kind of let it speak for itself. Not really. Uh, Square Enix gave us a review code for it. But, you know, it's like, actually, I read the RP Gamer review for their for their for their review of Valkyrie Profile. And it was also one of their writer's favorite games. And they even said, like, how do you review one of your favorite games that's been one of your favorite games for 20 years? And I'm like, exactly. So I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> so I didn't review it. I was, Basically, the angle that I took was that I really like Valkyrie Profile. But one of the reasons why I really like it is that it's just so different from almost any other RPG, even still. Like, are there some similarities you can make between it and other games? Obviously, yes. But there are just so many things it does that are just so unique and standalone that no other game is really, like emulated well some have tried but no none none have like matched it or they missed the point um so i just kind of basically wanted to highlight like you know the the, its unique flair that no other game is replicated well we we talked a bit about like 
the both the usefulness and the uselessness of having titles like JRPG or things like that, and a more um, a more direct way to to kind of introduce the concept of what a game is is saying this game is like X other game. You have you have a JRPG inspired game, uh, like an indie or something, and you might say, well, it is like Chrono Trigger, but or it's like Golden Sun, but where uh, Valkyrie Profile, you're like, well, nothing else is quite quite landed here and i like one of your sentences in your uh in your in your feature it's not turn-based round-based phase-based grid-based cooldown focus character action party action like it's not any of these things it's kind of its own thing which uh i'm sure there have been some projects that i've tried to to um yeah, tap into yeah, that yeah. a little bit but indivisible but not comes quite. to mind yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's a good one indivisible is uh, a fake rpg <laughs> there you go oh, yeah. we, hit sure. <laughs> and we, we got behind we found an frpg <laughs> frpg yeah. yeah, but seriously, Indivisible is weird in that like you barely get any like stat ups as you play the game. Is that like once you beat certain bosses, like all your like all your stats, like HP, defeat damage, and all that will just kind of like raise. Like oh, wow, so I didn't know that we're here. You heard it here first, folks. We're co- coining the name of a new genre, including Indivisible, Paper Mario Sticker Star, and Paper Mario uh, Color Splash FRPG. <laughs> right. Uh, that's my favorite genre. No, um, <laughs> but anyways, um, we had I got there was a couple of comments. Obviously, they're not taking it seriously. We're like, well, what about Valkyrie Profile Two? <laughs> and it's just like, actually, Valkyrie Profile Two is much more traditional. Yeah, it's, it's pretty one. different. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do like think Valkyrie Profile Two. If you, um, I, I think it's still also a very good game. And if you are specifically talking about like combat mechanics, Two is probably better. But just like structurally, it's a much more of a traditional RPG. Yeah, with, the story just lying near it, instead of like the original where you could just kind of wander around however you It's like. also kind of, it also gets kind of silly with like the timey wimey future past stuff, honestly. But it's still a very good game. But I think it's it's more, you know, standard fare. Uh and now it's structured. <laughs> The, the so. one mysterious question is, has anyone played the DS game and could talk about it? Because I am. Uh, yeah, the Covenant of the Plume. It's, it's, it's also pretty good. Yeah. It's an SRPG. Yeah. Wow. In, in terms of like a pure story, it might be the best one. Like just front to yeah. back. It's really good. It's, okay, you should play Chow. You'd like it. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot some, sometime. Yeah. Because yeah, I have no idea how much how much time I spent on retro gaming. Uh, like recently, I think I think I just spent like four hundred dollars buying Game Boy Advance. There, there like, we go. That's for, that's for a good stuff. Purposes. Uh-huh. Oh man. We we know you're deep down in the rabbit hole. It's okay. Yeah. I accept you. I don't know if anyone I else was did. I was reading my article. <laughs> I was reading my article as I uh after I wrote it. Uh-huh. And one of my sentences I say like Valkyrie Profile sequel and spin-off. And by that I mean Silmeria and Covenant of the Plume. And I kind of just, I didn't forget about it. Like, I guess Valkyrie Elysium could have been the spinoff I was talking about, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's like, when, when, I say, when I say Valkyrie Profile spinoff, the one that comes to mind is coming out of the plume. Yeah, because if you say profile, said Valkyrie spinoff, then it could yeah. be like either. Yeah, but if you say profile. Covenant of the Plume is a Valkyrie profile spinoff, or Elysium is just a Valkyrie spinoff. God, I, hate that. I hate names so much. Uh, <laughs> have, you, have you met Elysium yet as well, yeah. Adam? Yeah, it's. I don't really like it. <laughs> I mean, it's not yeah. like terrible, but I think my main thing with Elysium is that it like tries to retread profile 
But it does like, a flower field scene. It's like, oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. It's so if dumb. you have any originality here, like, come on. <laughs> so I, when I played Elysium, but I've not played Valkyrie Profile, but I've, I've been around, of course, Adam and seen plenty of it that I, I'm aware of a lot of those, like the true story and how you access it and things like that. And I remember I was streaming Valkyrie Elysium and I was watching and I was going through the, the, the flower field, like its version of it. I'm like, has this earned this? Is this like <laughs> no? Uh, that it kind of just like it's it's so weirdly out of nowhere with how you access it too. <laughs> it's mm. so dumb. Um, what is the the Valkyrie Elysium flower field scene? Because oh, like, yeah. Armand's like, you want to go somewhere? And He's just like, standing there. The final level. <laughs> the final level. <laughs> that is so funny. Reminds me of watching this guy when I was in Japan playing the pachinko machine for the flower scene and Metal Gear Solid 3. That's <laughs> so good. Oh, man, if I was there. <laughs> he earned it. He has spent his good money uh, on that pachinko machine. How much money do you think he spent? I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I, I was joking with uh, Adam. I was like, you should write a preview of Valkyrie Profile when you, for your piece. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's like, you know what? Why is Tri-Ace, the makers of Star Ocean, making... Uh, traditional art or a nor a norse rpg what are they doing are they up to it can they do they have the chops for it the other feature that went up on the site this week is from james and this is basically following up on a piece of news from last month uh that ign japan i believe is the primary source of this where they had a an interview a a back and forth with hironobu sakaguchi talking specifically about Fantasian. Now, Fantasian is a game that we've talked about on uh, our site and this podcast in a few different contexts. Very specifically, uh, it ended up winning our Game of the Year award for 2021. And in general, it's a game that we all, I won't say all, but in general, think pretty highly of. Uh, admittedly, it kind of released in like a really good time for it, 2021, in terms of its competition. Uh, but of course, with the albatross around its neck, as James has framed it, uh, is that it's an Apple Arcade exclusive. Though I know I played it on my iPhone. I believe Adam and James both played it on Apple TVs. Uh, thought pretty highly of it. Well, IGN Japan, as they were talking to uh, Sakaguchi, um, brought up the idea about, you know, what's next for Fantasian. Uh, nothing has been decided. There is no, like, direct news here. But Sakaguchi basically expressed interest in realizing that people are interested in this game, uh, potential for a follow-up of some sort or a PC release and Sakaguchi saying that he would like to meet their expectations and continue working as hard as possible. So very careful language about saying like he, he recognizes, he acknowledges these requests, hasn't announced anything explicitly, which James has then taken and saying, Hey, uh, if this game can by some stretch make its way to a platform like PC or console, the switch, PlayStation, whatever, that it would be something that would be conducive to being able to share thoughts on this game without the Apple subscription being the caveat that you always have to work through. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I don't want to put too many words in, in James's uh, mouth, just talking about your opinion piece here about Fantasia potentially making its way to PC or other yeah. platforms. And one thing I do mention in the article, and it's actually something that made me start thinking more about preservation in the wake of uh, the eShops for the 3DS and Wii U going down uh, later this month. Uh, it's very important that Fantasian gets ported just because 
if one day Apple Arcade just uh, shutters, there would be no way for anyone, even if you had already played Fantasian, to be able to play it ever again. So unless it gets uh, ported to a different platform or becomes available for purchase in general anywhere, it's at very real risk of just becoming lost media eventually. I wonder uh, well, how is Apple Arcade doing these days anyway? I haven't really checked up on it recently. <laughs> I, I I don't know because it's like it's it's Apple. They don't really generally talk about how things are doing. They kind of beat to their own drum and walk to the beat of their own drum and whatnot. Can I play Fantasia on an Apple Watch? Can that can that hook up to Apple Arcade? Hmm. And I remember uh, I was reading so both of these features, the Fantasia potentially going to another platform feature and Adam's docu profile feature, um, we're both shared on our on our Twitter page and gotten a fair bit of response, mostly positive. With a, you know, a few people like to be as least charitable as possible. And I saw a comment where it was like, "Man, I don't understand the high praise that Fantasian gets." And it's one of those things where it's like, I want to try to temper ourselves and like Fantasian. I do think is a genuinely good game, but I also want to avoid that kind of white whale thing where it's like, "Trust me, go get Apple uh, Arcade subscription and play it." Because because everyone's worth on whether or not they should tip in is going to be different to calibrate. Like, yeah, is, yeah. It, 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 also, to, to answer the for Fantasian, I think it's like a very then the, the the window of people who will appreciate part two is like it's really hard. It nine. is like one of the hardest <laughs> RPGs I've played and people probably need to like ex- be ready to expect that heading. In. I wonder I wonder if they point if they port it to other platforms that they'll offer like an easy mode, uh, but like as a new feature, you know, for, for harder I, think, than I, I think they, I think they said something like they didn't want to. I'm trying to remember where I saw that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, basically, because you know, because you know, some re-releases do offer like, hey, we added like an easy mode to, to operate to make it. Well, if it comes yeah. out on PC, people can just cheat engine if they want to. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, no. that be, it's it, it kind of ruins it, but yeah. But I I agree that like that's that's the fun part about Fantasian Part Two is because like it actually like it gets it's like a weirdly like a crazy difficult spike out of nowhere, and you kind of have to start thinking outside the box for the thing. Fantasian well, Part Two is a sort of game. So many different like boss battles for you know that are all pretty unique and yeah. like you have to approach them very carefully. And some, some of those battles, like you have, you have like no wiggle room in terms of how to like approach it to succeed. If you make like yeah. one wrong turn, you're dead. Yeah. yeah I, it's, think, it's, it's, it's I also think... one of those things that like, like it, it's, it, it's, it's funny because like, it's fun, like for some of those also, it's like, yeah, it's like not even just like making the most out of your turn to survive, but also when you decide to attack for some of those things, like first, like, like you actually have time to time the attack and account for I, animations yeah. going on. I remember at the time, the way I put it was it's not enough to just know what you need to do. It's like you need to know what you need to do. And then also. It's it's not as much as, okay you know what you need to do. You've instantly won the fight. It's like, you know what you need to do. It's still going to be fucking difficult to actually execute on it. Yeah. And we all we all agree that the best character in battle, like once you get to that point, is the toolkit as right. Yep. Like his, yeah, but once again, once you have the items, gotta get those buffs. Yeah, once you have the items there. To get the buffs in the multiple turns in a row, you need them. But when people would ask the question, like, is Fantasian worth Apple Arcade? That's a hard answer question to answer because it's like, well, because well, like, half of us are stupid. Yeah. Sure. But if you like, if you have an iPad, sure. Like, if you have something already that you can play it on, 
but yeah, it, it's worth it. But I can also completely like sympathize with people where it's like, even if it's only five bucks a month, it's like, it's a long, like a fairly long RPG. I think it took me like 60 hours to beat it. Well, I, I remember when that, when, that, when that game was coming out, I know like at least half of us on like the site in general were stupid. Like, we'll just get an Apple TV to go play the game. <laughs> you know? yep. I the weird that. thing is, is, it actually doesn't run that well on Apple TV. Yeah. <laughs> like how many times did it crash for you, Adam, if you remember? Because it definitely crashed at least five or I six times. It crashed. It just struck. It got really Butter. sluggish several yeah. times. It and definitely like crashed for model. me. This is the new model of the Apple yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember... I remember like specifically a lot of us were like, okay, Fantasian part one's released, but I'm not sure if I want to play it yet. Cause there's like rumors of a new Apple TV, like uh, coming out and I, if I'm going to play it, I might as well get the new model. And then the new model came out and it's like, ah, perfect. Right around the time when part two hit too. <laughs> but yeah, obviously there's no news here. That's why it's an op-ed feature and not a news headline, but Fantasian is a game that we all thought pretty highly of. Though with the specific things that we talked about, it's a very challenging game, it's the sort of game where if you like losing to a boss fight three times, tweaking your strategy and then coming out on top and feeling that sense of exhilaration, that's Fantasian and Spade. But if you don't like to be inconvenienced, then Fantasian is a little bit not quite in that same ballpark. But we have James's feature talking about what could be brought to the table if Fantasian was unshackled from its Apple Arcade purgatory <laughs> from where it from where it currently exists in apple arcade as yeah, a subscription it, 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 it makes me wonder too just like man people like like I, a lot of people are going to complain about fantasia part two a lot for sure mm-hmm. yeah, thousand it, percent. it is not a game at all it, this is not a game that has like the widest of appeals yeah it, it is definitely it is definitely at some point it became it boils down to do you have a lizard brain <laughs> <laughs> that's not untrue do you yeah. have the correct brain worms to to appreciate <laughs> what this game is uh, go- setting out to do? Like me, when I get to this one, to when I got in like halfway through part two, and I realized there's dungeon RPG dungeons in this, and I just like abs- and I just like absolutely popped off. Like the like the per- like the perfect like mindset that I have for like boss battles in that game is I put I put the image in uh voice channel chat but it's that uh meme image of the wavelength of going we're back and it's so over just like that wavelength of like oh my god things are going so well the next turn it's like oh god it's so over then you pull off a fucking crazy arc move on it it's like oh god we're so back we're gonna win this <laughs> Uh, that that's uh that was made my mentality for like ninety percent of bosses at part two. <laughs> like I got this. Oh shit, I'm dead. Oh wait, I'm fine. Oh shit, I'm dead. Yeah, it is basically it's basically it encapsulates that feel of like oh shit, I'm so fucking stupid. Then you fire off an attack and like and like and you got off the right angle, so like it hit a certain way. You're like oh my god, I'm fucking genius. <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> And with that, we'll go into the news section of this podcast. Um, not a lot of major headlines here, but this one at the, that I have listed out first is uh, potentially pretty interesting. And I not out of nowhere because it was teased last year. But uh, surprise, we are not in the era of past Persona 5 um, spinoffs, milking, if you want to say it a certain way. Uh, people are wondering whether we'd see Persona 6 introduction or news or teasing with the 25th anniversary. No, uh, we, we thought maybe the this year we'd start to see something. Well, instead, we got the full details for Persona 5, the Phantom X, or maybe this is the Phantom Cross, which is a mobile Persona project uh, being developed by Perfect World Games, 
uh, for the Chinese market. So a lot of new uh, releases here for a bunch of artwork. It's an original side story. Uh, we've basically a fully fledged Persona 5 title with a completely new cast takes place in Tokyo. I don't know if we have any details to if we're going to see any sort of specific tie-ins to Persona 5 for Persona 5, the Phantom Cross for this game. But it is a free-to-play title with in-app purchases. So deduce from that what you will. Uh, Along with the announcement of this game officially, we got a concept trailer for the game as well as a gameplay trailer, which the gameplay trailer basically makes it look and appear as close to a traditional Persona 5 experience as possible. Well, you know, the the world could never have enough Persona 5 uh, spinoffs and new projects and so forth. You know, I I kind of just have very neutral feelings about it because because the uh, the gameplay videos, the concept trailer that they showed, it's like this basically is trying to like bring that entire Persona Five experience, but to like a mobile platform. But I know like it's also going to be um like the like the beta test for it in China is also going to be held on PC as well, but it's not officially coming to PC, so so to speak. So it's kind it's kind of a weird situation. Um, but you know, it it has like it's kind of weird because when I look at the main character design of this uh, of this game. It looks like a fuck. My friends and I have described have succinctly uh described the new main character design as like a lame Tatsuya. It looks like Tatsuya, but a, like a lamer version of Tatsuya. Persona <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> Velvet Room Attendant looks great though. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah. The Velvet New Velvet Room attendant looks uh, interesting. Um, the the one also the one of the things that really stuck out to me is like this kind of like this. I don't know if they're gonna use this uh, uh, voice actor going forward, but like it does give a new voice to Igor uh, in this game because you know Isamu uh, Tanonaka, uh, you know, passed away uh, sadly. You know, uh, when Persona Five is uh, coming out, so you know they're still like on the search for like a new Igor voice actor and like you know Igor sounds very different in uh in this game so I wonder if that's I don't know I don't know who the voice actor new voice actor is for Igor officially but um you know this might be an indicator of like who they might be uh, using in future persona games for Igor that uh, he is going to show up cuz he's kind of like a staple in persona games um other than that you know it it shows off you know kind of the 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 design for like uh like the main or one of like the one of the main characters like a heroine like it's sort of like it kind of represent resembles Chie a little uh with with her getup um and then like the mascot character like kind of the 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 Teddy or the um what was the what was the cat Morgana like the Morgana equivalent instead is like like an owl character that has like a cooler persona because their persona is like like a mech samurai cat thing or al samurai rather um and that looks cool um but you know it's it's very basically mimicking a lot of like what persona does you go around you explore uh the town uh, for dress links and then there's like a a, a metaverse aspect to it where you're like kind of exploring dungeons um it looks to it's hard to it's hard to say like in this game's actually doing anything like innovative actually uh, because when I, when I watch that trailer, like the gameplay trailer, I'm like, this looks like almost exactly like Persona 5 different characters and like the same sort of like environment and flow 
to Persona 5. And you do see you do see some other characters teased in that trailer, but I don't know exactly how they're gonna like. Obviously, there's a free to play game. Like, what are you rolling for? Obviously, what's the gotcha aspect of this game? What's the monetization like in this game? What are they doing? Like, uh, um, you know, it's the, 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 like Sega and Atlas. Atlas's P Studio are like in a super uh, supervisory role uh, in this game, so they are somewhat involved, but not directly. Obviously. And then, like when it comes to, like the main character design, like Soejima, is involved to some extent on the on the on the art for this game, but not like in a major way, just like here and there. Um, but other than that, it's like sure, you know. I get. I'm interested to see like how this plays out. I don't know if I'm like gonna play it. It's hard. It's a, it's it's Chinese mobile games are actually like difficult to like play like officially because some of them may ask for like proof of like Chinese residency or like. Like of like an identification number or something to like verify that like you're in China, and all sorts of stuff. So I don't I know if they have like... like different restrictions. Like yeah, kids have basically they're not allowed to play more than like one hour of gaming. Oh yeah, they recently implemented that too. That that restriction as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I get where the government's coming from. I but that shouldn't be their responsibility. That's the parents' responsibility. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, they uh, tease yeah. you know that Joker is gonna show up in this game, of course, and like, and uh, they'll collab with like the Persona Five crew in some way in this game. But you know, it, it like, if anything, like the the main thing that like people will like point to in this game is like, look at all the cool art, look at all the cool Persona designs and all the cool character design. I think that's kind of like the main takeaway from like from a Western perspective on this game. It's gonna be hard to like play this game officially, mm. you know, on this side it's, of the world. And it's having a. Uh... Not, not quite a beta test. Uh, Infiltration a, test. <laughs> yeah, so later this month for the Chinese market for PC and Android devices. So maybe yeah. that opens up some possibility for being able to access it for those that are super interested. Um, I was actually reading some comments on the Gamatsu news post for this, and most of them are thinking either A, they're bemoaning, like, come on, aren't we past Persona 5? I want to see Persona 6. Uh, there's about a third of people who say, okay, this is interesting. I want to figure out how I can get access. And there's certain people, like I've seen a few mock-ups about like, well, here's how the game's actually going to be played when uh, like how, what sort of stamina system is there or having some sort of currency or, or as the, I think the, the stupidest, but I get it. Mimi image that I saw was like trying to date a person. And if you don't have enough currency, you have to friend zone them. But if you've got enough currency, <laughs> you can actually say that you want to date them. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's like, pretty good. Damn, it sounds like real life, actually. <laughs> well, you're then again, yeah, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but um, I, mm-hmm. you, you like my image that I put in the voice channel chat? Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're. <sighs> If you're listening to the podcast, just scroll through my Twitter for a little bit, and you'll see this. Uh, it, it's basically it, it's basically all the fucking past Persona Five game uh, releases, and it, uh, it's a meme image of what kind of gamer are you? You're a pre- prehistoric gamer who played the original Persona Five release, an ancient gamer who played the dancing spinoff, a retro gamer if you played the Royal release, old school gamer though if you played the Muso Striker spinoff, and you're a cool new school gamer if you're playing this. Phantom or Persona Five, the Phantom X. Now you are in with the in crowd. I still have Persona Five on my Steam Deck. I will play it. But that's you're you're a retro Someday. gamer. Yeah, I'm yeah. retro. That checks out. Why did I? <laughs> why did I put Persona Five, the Phantom X? That's the first headline. I don't know. 
That's look, we always celebrate Persona Five Year. Mm. It is uh, Atlas's true RPG, unlike Sega. What versus Sega Super Game? I'm giving you a segue, Brian. Uh, where? How am I supposed to take this? The Sin Chronicle thing is Sega's true uh, RPG. Okay, that's later in the list, though. I have that near okay. the very bottom. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll go into that. So, uh, I I can't keep track of Sega. They've got like their their mega game, whatever you call it, their their true RPG. They they before they announce their projects, they have to give them like these these very strange and eclectic. Well, well they had their true RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Sin Chronicle, which is a choose your adventure RPG that released uh, last year in Japan in March um, is going to be shutting down on May 31st. Uh, that's my birthday. So about 14 okay. months after, after it first launched, um, Sega kind of also announced basically the, the schedule lead up for the shutdown of Sin Chronicle. Like at what point are purchases disabled? Uh, at what point is the final story going to wrap up? And then when will the service end? And um, there's a lack of really high profile project for Sega in terms of like, you know, there's a mobile game that only released in Japan, of course. But like when you look at like the like the people involved in this game is like kind of crazy. Like in terms of names, like the main composer, composer was Kevin Penkin, very, very big composer uh, in Japan, very popular. Then you had like guest composers of basically every freaking possible like famous Japanese composer that uh, that you could think of, like when it comes to Kenji Ito, Masashi Hamuzu, Yoko Shimomura, Masato Koda, Yasunori Mitsuda, Yuzo Koshiro. Like they all like you know pitched in. Like, uh huh. And then like when you're, when you're talking about like voice actors, you know, uh, uh, you know, Chao Aoyuki, Yuichi Nakamura, Kanahana. Zala, Juichi Suave, Sagita, you know, Hikaru Midoritawa, you know, like, it's just like, it was a big, big, like, you know, a lot of sources were spent on this game, obviously, to make it happen. Like, the the basic appeal of this game, when they first pitched it, like, you know, in uh, Japanese magazines, was like, this was a true role-playing experience, a true RPG. This, uh, let, let, it, it gives you, like, real choices, um yeah like you know who like final choice like who will live who will die there'll be no do-overs of like what you do in this rpg of the depends on like what choices you make i never played it myself but apparently it wasn't good enough to like last a year you know? I, I heard it was supposed to be um was it like a sequel to their one their gotcha chain chronicle uh, yeah chain chronicles because chain chronicles are supposed to be like their more successful ones and I actually bought an art book of Chain Chronicles because Chain Chronicles is art... still alive. Like it, yeah, it, it, yeah. The art looks nice. Yeah, it, uh... that's still in service too. So it's kind of weird and kind of funny that like the follow up to it is like, hey, yeah, we're bringing the heat once again. It's like, oh, never mind. Uh, but it's what it's if a... now <laughs> now now, uh, now hear me out here. What okay. if uh, the way they actually end this game is they kill off a, a very important NPC and then you just see this. Let's see. Okay, so James posted an image on the voice channel chat here, and <laughs> and um, it it reads with this character's death, the third of prophecy is severed. Restore a saved game to restore the weave of fate, or persist in the doomed world you have created. Is that the cops in the background? That's yeah. I I have my window open, so <laughs> yeah, the cops are getting out to get Sid Radical. <laughs> 
It's in the cuffs after you for talking shit about this game. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a story as old as time as the at this point, uh, you know. But uh, another mobile game, you know, getting its end of service announcement. It's like, yeah, it didn't. It obviously didn't, you know, achieve many of the things it set out to do. Um, and they're gonna try again, you know. I, I'm sure with another mobile game in the future. To see if they can try to make it profitable once more, you know. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, is that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expect different results. I mean, for for uh, businesses of this space, yes, you know, they're gonna continue to try to uh, make something new that will hopefully bring in the cash, uh, a lot of cash. Which you know, it's not. Well, as long as if, if you get that one hit after six yeah. failures, that's that's yeah. all you want. Well, that's I don't know one one hell of a, a one year anniversary announcement for those players. I bet it's like yeah, well, well shit, nice first year anniversary of announcing the end of service. Um, it's tough. It's tough, you know. The, it's oversaturated uh, nowadays. It's it's very oversaturated. You know, we've spoken about it uh, here again, again, and again, and we're going to continue to talk about like significant closures. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't, if we were to go over every single game that like got an end of service announcement, especially if they're like Japanese only mobile games, we'd be having like a five hour podcast every week. You know? <laughs> well, I, I remember Gamatsu went a little bit viral on one particular week in early February or late January when like seven live service games all announced shutdown like within the same week or something like that well, now a couple of them were ones that like were very very small time admittedly but some were like sony backed things like crossfire x or something like that like not just gotcha games but like games as a service, service games in general titles. yeah yeah, yeah. No, you just gotta have that one hit and I, I wonder if like it, it makes me kind of scared it's like well exo primal joined that list one day because you know Inevitably, I think, I think it just sucks is when you see the game that you play closed down. You know, if it's other games that you don't even touch, it's just like whatever. But what are you talking about, child? Me and my friends pray for Princess Connect Redive's global version to like close down every day. Nah. We pray for it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, how about how about near? I mean, they're they're cutting off the English voice acting for the near reincarnation. I don't play near. Like I I, I do not play near. Hell no. That's that's a signal that death is coming soon, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I'm not not sure if death is coming soon, but they're definitely committing less resources to it because they can't justify, you know, um, putting in the current amount of resources that they have been putting into it. So obviously, it's not probably not meeting uh, some sort of threshold or um, you know, profitability that they want. So yes, that 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 does say that is they're we're reprioritizing the resources elsewhere. <laughs> I just remember, like, in Dragile Loss, it was like, oh, it's like, we're going to reduce the amount of voice acting content. Uh, behold, there it is. But that, but, but that, but that, that was always the, like, that, that's how the Dragile Loss, like, launched it, like, like the English acting was always um, kind of shot in the foot from the get-go, like, where side stories in Dragalia Loss were always fully voiced in Japanese, especially, like, when it comes to, like, just, um, like kind of like the character episodes i think they were fully voiced i can't remember but definitely like events like were fully voiced in japanese like in english they they were not for whatever reason and that was always true 
I think from the get-go, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but I remember, like, as time went on, it's like there was that one time they start even, like, cutting it back on the Japanese. Yeah, side. even... Then they said, though, <laughs> we're bringing it back because we got a lot of backlash for it. <laughs> I, I mean, that that depends on the time frame. Like, if that, that was COVID time frame, then, yeah, a lot of Japanese uh, mobile games, like, had to, like, cut back on, like, voice acting temporarily because of COVID. There couldn't be recording sessions that could be held, like... um that, that could be held safely. Like, like even Grand Blue had that. Where like, yeah, they had that for a while. That yeah. one event that was completely unvoiced. Yeah. So, uh, if, but they actually list who the voice actor was going to be, but the event was not voiced. At <laughs> that, all. That, that, that that's actually pretty funny that they listed the voice actor. It's like ah, oh, well, it's a, it's a kind of like a um, a make good notice. Like we'll get back to you on this. <laughs> Yeah, and the events are timed. So got oh, like, yeah, that's that's weird then. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's true. That's weird. But yeah, we're getting we're getting off time. But yeah, um, you know, it's just wanted to point, the, just wanted to bring to attention that like you know, Sega's self-proclaimed true RPG. Well, you know, and I guess that means RPGs are dead then if the true one is uh, going out of service. Uh, okay, so the rest of the the rest of the news here is a little bit more high profile. But even then, not not quite. Uh, so we have some details here. We talked about the announcement and the May release date for Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. Um, CyberConnect has released a few more details about the gameplay systems of the upcoming game. And the main thing here is, I remember we were talking about this game when it was announced, about obviously a, a key component of the first game was the Soul Cannon mechanic and obviously how you're disincentivized from using it if you want to... Uh, get the quote-unquote best ending and obviously the sequel kind of is in a state where it was presumably never used because all the characters return uh the way that the soul canon is implemented in fuga melodies of steel 2 is a bit differently um i'll read this directly from the press release just because i don't know the way that this is phrased is very kind of bleak um the soul cannon is a deadly weapon that can take down powerful foes with a single blow but it comes at the cost of a child's life so avoid using it as much as possible however upon detecting danger the ai known as hacks will randomly select a child to be sacrificed and initiate the soul cannon countdown sequence all on its own you must defeat all enemies before it's too late so this is actually kind of as morbid as it is, it's kind of dope because it's essentially the plot of Fuga 2 as it is, is that um, the original tank that you used in the first game has gone haywire and has kidnapped half of the original cast. And you're basically trying to chase it and like put put both a stop to the tank and try and rescue those kids. Uh, so the tank you're actually in for the second game is the tank that the that the uh, big uh, villain of the first game used and so the um ai that that uh force that's trying to force you to use the uh, soul cannon is actually literally just like the remnants of the like memories from the villain from the end of fuga one which i assume was like like uh i guess like integrated into the tank like during the final boss battle or something it's it's kind of wild don't think about it too much yeah (laughs) yeah i I think this is a really cool like gameplay tweak that really like incentivizes like being the like the soul cannon being a more relevant um mechanic in the game that the player is forced to interact with so now that you know you do how you are placed on a timer and like there is a secondary system that you know that that can be used to like kind of offset it a little at, at a 
at a cost. Like the the indigenous is called the uh, the managarm. Yeah, because uh, it also means that it forces you to like, uh, even if like, because the only way you can like um, recover the uh, kid that you use in the managarm is at an intermission point where there's only like two per stage. Because there's one in the middle and then there's one at the very end right before a boss battle. Yeah, yeah. Assuming it's the same as like Fuga 1. That means that for every time that you have to do that to avoid losing a kid for good, that's one less kid you're going to be able to use for however many battles until you get to the next intermission point. And then you're going to have to spend resources during that intermission that could be spent elsewhere, like upgrading aspects of the tank, uh, upgrading kids just to get them um, to bring them back into the fray. And like the best aspect of Fuga was always like the force, like resource, like management. And one of the things I noticed and other people noticed is that if you were really good at managing your resources early in the game, by the time you're like halfway through the story, the edge was kind of gone because you were already a bit overpowered. Right. But it feels like this is kind of forcing it to always be an aspect of the game. And hopefully it's enough to kind of keep uh, keep you on your toes for the entirety of the playtime. And I'd also imagine probably Fuga 2 would most likely be a, a more difficult game than the first game. I feel like since it's a sequel, they're probably going to balance it where it's like, you've played you the first just, one. You can't just have Kylan Boron just fucking steamroll everything. Yeah. But anyways, uh, between uh, the like the story aspects of the game and seeing the really wild new designs for like the enemies are going up against. They look like weirdly like organic. It's like, ugh. Yeah. it's like, I'm like, I loved Fuga one's uh, gameplay and I thought the story was all right. But as far as cyber connect two goes before Fuga, I would say that most of our games, if you played them, you weren't really in it for the gameplay. You were in it for the vibes and the story and the world building for as good as Fuga was, I feel like the story was kind of a weaker aspect of it. So seeing there be more of an edge to this game and um, whatnot, I'm actually really excited to see how things go in the plot. Because it's like, it, who fucking knows where it's going to go? It's like, the first one was a relatively straightforward plot. It was like a war story, but it's like this one, it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it gets, yeah it gets, it's pretty weird now for the, the state of things. So yeah, this is this is exciting. Like I'm, I'm glad to see that. Like uh, more than anything, you know, like my, my my main thing about the going to the sequels. Like I really wonder how they're gonna switch up the gameplay because you know the 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 first one was was a neat concept, but I think they could really uh, they have a lot of different ways to expand it, and I'm really interested to see how they do that. And like this is kind of the first like wave of it. Like okay, they're really starting to switch things up. Yeah, and, and I mean we're not and we're not too far away from it. We're like two months, and I don't yeah. know like how like early they're gonna be sending out review code or whatever. So mm -hmm. who knows yeah this but is cool. uh yeah very excited for it uh i'm glad that this is going to be on game pass because uh, it means that they've already made their money back uh otherwise uh god if if this wasn't on game pass they're screwed because isn't this coming out like a yeah, day because before they, yeah because they, they, <laughs> well, so oh, oh god is it Jesus. yeah oh. like it's may 20 something let me check real quick it's may May 11th and uh, Tears of the Kingdom comes out May 12th. Well, um, you know, so hopefully people don't sleep on this. Hopefully it is a really cool game and hopefully, you know, I'm really looking forward forward to it. But I know a lot of people are like, all right, we'll get to it after Tears of the Kingdom, which is understandable. 
So when everyone is playing Tears of the Kingdom, James will be playing Fuga. And well, no, no, no. Um, when everyone's playing Tears of the Kingdom, I'll be playing Tears of the Kingdom because I'm going to be reviewing this. <laughs> Wait, what am I going to What am I going to be playing? I said Atlas Fallen. Oh shit! Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know if like my thing is going to be upgraded to review code. I have no idea. Yeah. Right. I'm assuming I'm assuming I'll play that I'll be playing this before Breath well Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Assuming. Yeah, Adam. We're assuming we're gonna be done with our uh games and we're gonna to be totally free for Tears of the Kingdom and we'll put up a do not disturb style <laughs> by us. But um yeah, it's uh looking to be pretty busy. The last announcement here before we go into sales updates and some release or delay dates uh, is about a new Toho project game. And I'm going to need a little bit of James's expertise here to understand this. So uh, Exceed has announced that they are going to be publishing Toho New World worldwide as a digital release for Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam on July 13th. And Toho New World will also come to PlayStation 4 and 5 at a later date. Um, This is being developed by... Uh, the same studio behind Toho Scarlet Curiosity, which released back in 2016. And then Exceed, as the publisher, released a new um, announcement trailer with uh, coinciding with this announcement here. However, for the thumbnail for this trailer, they call it a fan-made project. And that language is also in the press release at all. Uh, so I'm, cu- I'm just curious about the use of that language here being picked up by Exceed, but calling Toho New World a fan-made project. Uh, okay, okay. If you're not familiar well, with Toho, it's fan-made. No, not necessarily. Just Toho as a franchise is, um, I don't know. Basically, the mainline Toho games, which are developed by Zune, are like all shoot 'em ups. And, but the thing with Toho is that Zune has basically given people free reign to do essentially whatever the hell they want with the characters and world. So that's why you see a bunch of like Toho, like Dojin, uh, um, like uh, like fan made comics, fan made uh, works, uh, videos, music, and why, especially on PC, you see a shit ton of like Toho, like uh, fan games that are allowed to be sold because Zune has literally made like is on the record saying I give people like every right to make fan games and charge money for it. Yeah, it's all it's all completely open. He doesn't like like enforce like I like you know like he doesn't like go after people for using his IP. Uh, you know, do whatever they want with it. It's all completely open uh, with his blessing, pretty much. It's basically it's socialized. Really cool. It's basically yeah. socialized game development. It's awesome, you know, to, to see like there there are more fan made uh, Toho projects by like a hundred times over than like new mainline Toho games. But that's completely okay because yeah, like. But some I, I of imagine them are for even canon. I was gonna say some of them are even canon. Like the yeah, game. yeah. Like I imagine for Zune, it's like it's all about just like you know spreading like the 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 world and the characters and like like the and the IP like awareness of the IP in general. It's not like it's not all about just like feeding back to the main line. It's just like you know, it's like just seeing enjoying what people make out of it. Like you know, the 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 premise you know, characters made, which is cool. You know, like I I know a lot of people that like. It's sort of like it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be a weird comparison, but like the, there's usually like some Toho games that like will resonate with people, even though they're not into like the mainline Toho like games. Like there'll be like Toho like strategy RPGs that like that, that resonate with people. Like there, that's like there's like a like a, almost like a Super Robot Wars s Toho game. Like people really 
like really like in that space. And it reminds me of like Warhammer, like where like there'll be like some genres of Warhammer games like like people really resonate with but don't really care about like the overall Warhammer world itself. Right. So it's just you know, it being a fan-made game is like the least surprising thing because that's like ninety-nine percent of the whole games at this point. <laughs> well, well, okay, now I understand a little bit yeah. more about the context there. Yeah. Uh, as for this game specifically, New World, um, obviously the announcement trailer has a fair amount of gameplay alongside of it, and it reminds me a lot of classic East games, though there are some more like more Zelda-esque uh, elements as well. But top-down perspective, action combat, uh, a lot of. Uh, avoiding you know circular or or hexagonal arenas and avoiding uh abilities from bosses while finding openings to counterattack. Uh, yeah i do remember uh back when uh, xseed published the uh playstation version of uh the first game in this sort of uh series it was very explicitly because they had published the uh napishtim style uh east games on pc Mm -hmm. And uh, this is very much a similar uh, gameplay style. And I think at the time, even the developers said it was very explicitly like inspired by those games. Uh, don't quote me on that, mm -hmm. but I, I want to say they said that it wouldn't shock me. But uh, yeah, well, even without that context, I look at the gameplay trailer here and go, this kind of seems East like. And that, again, is going to be coming out on PC and Switch in July on the 13th and then at a later date for PlayStation four and five. All right, and now we're gonna start running down through the rest of the release dates. Uh, we do have one sales update, uh, and this is for uh, the Atelier Ryza trilogy, specifically, I suppose, since it's a sales update for the first two games. Uh, the first two games combined have shipped over 1.6 million copies, which for an Atelier pair of games is quite high. Obviously, Ryza, we talked about as the first and second game have released and have been both critically and commercially received pretty well. Uh, just kind of a, a new like inflection point for the series with the success that Rise has had. And of course, we're looking... Mm, when does Rise of 3 come out? It's like literally next week, the 24th. Next week, yep. So within uh, within six days, Rise of 3 will be released. Uh, yeah. And we have a few people on staff that are uh, either currently looking into I, it or, or yep. planning to. I, I've been playing it. I can't really talk about it because, uh, well, I mean... I'm sorry, Ryza. I'm going to play Resident Evil 4 and whatnot. But, uh, you won't be the only one, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I guess look forward to uh, my thoughts next week because I don't know if our reviewer is going to be finished with it by Embargo. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's wild like looking at the sales data because it's like, okay, what's the sales breakdown? You got to imagine that most of it's probably Ryza 1. So if it's like 1.6 million, is Rise of One about to hit like a one million sales on its own? That'd be crazy for an Atelier game. Yeah, like I, I mean, at this point, it feels inevitable with like the sales trajectory. So and, I, I and pulled that, up, so. I pulled up uh, the news post from two years ago, from March twenty twenty one. That's when the series surpassed one million sales. Uh, so summer of twenty twenty, it was announced that Atelier Rise sold five hundred thousand. In March 2021, the series had sold 1 million. So that ballpark, napkin math, Rise of 1, over 500,000, let's call it 600,000, Rise of 2, making up the difference to make 1 million, 400,000 or so. Uh, so now that they're both at 1.6, we're probably at the point where Rise of 1 
is nearing that that seven digit mark. Uh, I'm clearly if it had, I'm guessing they would just clearly they would just state that. But the fact that we're even in that ballpark for the series is pretty darn good. And the fact that Rise of Two has sold seemingly nearly as well, or at least without a a big drop off, inferring reading between the lines here. Uh, it's, I'm, I care, I'm curious of what their expectations for Rise of Three are, because obviously there's been a bit of a longer um, yeah. time period between Rise of Two and Three compared to One and Two. So I don't know if that would help or hurt the sales potential for Rise of Three. More people have had a chance to play the first two games, but also it's been longer. So I'm not yeah. sure. It'll be interesting to see how Rise of Three is received, uh, both uh, commercially as well as uh, critically. All right. Uh, I believe everything else here is related to a release date or release window, except for one thing at the very end. Uh, this should be in chronological order, so we'll just get through it. Um, Agaris Generations of War will launch in Europe on Nintendo Switch on March 24th. I sure love that. I love the pronunciation. I never heard it called Agaris. <laughs> Agaris? How, how, how is it pronounced? I think, I think it's Agaris. Agaris? All right. I'm, I just, glad, that, I'm just glad I pronounced Toho correctly and didn't say Tuhu or something like that. <laughs> I mean, Agarus Generations of War. <laughs> it just means I never heard it said it out loud. Okay, oh, Tuhu <laughs> is a, a perfectly valid uh, pronunciation. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> it sounds funny. Uh, we already talked about this one, but Stranger of Paradise: Final Fantasy Origin will be launching on Steam on April sixth. Oh, a pixel art action RPG, Hunt of the Night, will be launching uh, on. April 13th for PC. Um, there are plans for console versions on both PlayStation Switch and Xbox, uh, but are set to launch at a later date. Uh, this is one that maybe isn't surprising. Uh, System Shock, the long-awaited yeah. remake that I am still not convinced actually exists, <laughs> has been uh, delayed from its planned March release window and will now launch on May 30th uh, for Steam, Epic Game Store, and GOG. And then it will follow in due course to PlayStation, means, yeah, <laughs> to PlayStation and Xbox consoles. So, yeah, well, once again, um, you know, if you had any hope of uh, playing this game in the next, uh, let's see, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 days, you're out of luck. <laughs> As of this recording, there's only 13 days left in the, uh, in the month of March. And if you were hoping to play this game in that time frame, well, may, maybe by the very end of May. Maybe. Maybe. We talked about uh, Tokyo Xanadu EX is launching on Switch in Japan in June on the 29th. This is not a new release date. We talked earlier this year about um, Sea of Stars. We'll be releasing in August. It's uh, one of those again JRPG-inspired indie projects that has been kind of anticipated for a while. Uh, I know, I know this. I know I am in agreement with Adam here, but it, it's sort of a little annoying that the, this whole staggered re- announcement of all the consoles the Sea of Stars was going to like release on is like how how many how, how, what was like how many months did it take for it to finally fully reveal that yes, it's coming to all platforms, Adam? For which one? Sea of Stars. A like it, yeah it it's was, like it was pc and switch and then they added playstation and then they added xbox yeah and i was like all in the course of like what like a year and a half it feels like and it was like man i get it but it's like it's kind of annoying 
And I, I like how it's uh, it, actually the next the next news post here is pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, Lost Idolans. This is a strategy RPG indie project that launched last year in October on PC. Already knew that it was coming to um, Xbox consoles later this year, uh, but the developer Ocean Drive Studio has also announced that it will be coming to PlayStation consoles as well. So no other details uh, other than like some of the existing press release. I mean, the game's already out on PC, so you kind of it's already it's a known commodity at this point. But don't know when the console release date is. But whenever it does come, it will also launch on PlayStation in addition to Xbox. If I wanted to be like Sea of Stars, they'll announce a Switch version like two months before launch, and then they'll announce like an end gauge version like a week before (laughs) launch, along with a Stadia version. Well, no, what they'll do is the game will launch. Then they'll announce a Switch version, but not with a date. So Adam will have to write a news post saying it's coming to Switch. Then mm. later they'll announce a date for that version. Mm. So we'll have to write the news post saying, by the way, it's got a date now. Well, mm. wait, no, no, no. Um, you're you're missing a step. They're oh. going to announce a release window. Oh, oh right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Of course. They'll, 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 they'll say like the, like the month. It's like it's coming sometime in March. Then the, I date, I, like the day after. I still liked for uh, Baldur's Gate 3. They're like August. And then, like, months later, they're like, the last day in August, because we committed to <laughs> August. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I don't know why I put this one uh, last, but Atlas has recently announced that they're going to be holding a Shin Megami Tensei 30th anniversary concert at Anime Expo, uh, which takes place this summer, I believe, in June. Uh, or July 1st, actually. So the very first day okay. in July. Um, they have explicitly stated that there will be... Um, this ev- this evening will highlight the rich history of the series and will not include any major announcements. Of course, well, there's like, well, music. like any reasonable person who goes to a concert, a concert in person, you should be there for the music and not for, oh, are they going to not have any announcements? But, but, <laughs> but, 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 but Josh, uh, Josh, play, uh, play ball with me. They said no major announcements. What are some less than major announcements uh, that could, <laughs> that could show up? No, 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 they'll announce for Sona 5 The Phantom X. Is, is, I mean, is, a, yeah. is the PC version of Shin Megami Tensei 5 a major announcement or is that a minor announcement? Oh, God, is there Jesus. any hope that? <laughs> that rumor they'll, 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 they'll give you uh, a card at the end the bottom of everyone's seat saying go into go uh participate in the infiltration test for our persona 5 gotcha game right, there you go and make sure to spend a lot of money on but it. this is a Thank shin megami you. tensei concert not a persona concert oh well you're you're right damn then they're gonna have gotcha codes for the shin megami tensei mobile game mm-hmm. the liberation dx that's your major now anou- minor enough sorry but um, I man, I I if I was still in California, I would definitely go to this. But uh, since I'm not there, it makes going to this a bit trickier. Uh, I wanted to go, but if I was still living in California, I would definitely go. I love SMT music. I love the rich history of it. I love all the different styles of it. Um, and the, the, and there's a slim chance that you could be there when they announce Shin Megami Tensei Five for PC. <laughs> Yeah, just like when I was there at the year concert in uh, Chicago, and they definitely announced the Replicant remaster for sure. Uh, I'm just going to change the topic real fast. Uh, I think uh-huh. it's when the eShop closed down for the Nintendo. Uh, it closes down the 27th, I think. Uh, better get your SMT games from there. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I guess a sneak peek, I am working on a feature about uh, basically how the uh, industry needs to do a damn much damn better job at uh preserving their games because there's so many rpgs that are just going to be lost yep. when uh the eShop goes down mm-hmm. 
That's, that's the minor announcement, uh, uh, Brian. They're they're announcing that they're making remasters of uh, was it SD four for Apocalypse, Strange Journey, on uh, more publicly available platforms <laughs> or more relevant platforms. There you go. There's your minor announcement. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of other any other SNT game that was on the DS and 3DS. Uh, the Soul Hackers. Devil Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah Soul Hackers. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the whole Soul Hackers one. Damn, that's a lot of fucking games. Yeah. <laughs> also, Etron uh, Odyssey uh, 4, 5, and yeah. uh, Nexus. Mm-hmm. Not to mention Untold 1 and 2, though, obviously, whether you prefer those versus yeah. the original will but still, t- be lost. depend. Yeah. Let's get physical copies. I I, I wonder how many of Bravely are, like, Default control. and Bravely Second um, both are going to be gone. Uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles Cross data packs, if you don't get them. Oh, before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be actually big. But... Uh, one of the funniest things I've seen is on eBay is the Fire Emblem Fates special edition has uh-huh. gone up to like 300 to 500. Yeah, yeah, because like... Because oh. like the uh, the Japanese uh, version of the collector's edition, it just came for code for it because Revelations came out later. So it's like the Western version of that collector's edition will be the only way yeah. to access all of those ga- all of those uh, paths in one cart once the shop goes. I, I didn't think wow. of that. Like, so I took a break from Fire Emblem during Fates uh, Awakening Fates. But if I wanted to play all three campaigns of Fates, would that be possible anymore? Nope. No, okay. That's that's a shame. Not to shout that money for that special edition. Yeah, it's okay. You, uh, we all know you just want to play Conquest only, right, Brian? <laughs> it's okay. One, it's okay. Once Nintendo no longer uh, wants your money for those games, that means uh, redacted, redacted, redacted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, look, when you have no other means uh, uh, to to get them legally, you know, you yeah. gotta do what you gotta do. It's like I've been on the record for shit like um, how this is the reason why emulation rocks. And people say, well, you can't play games on, on emulators without dumping them. I'm like, exactly. You, you can't be for video game preservation and be against the ability to make backups of your games. Yeah. This industry does not allow that. It's kind of interesting how like they've like they've like people like how the industry has kind of like fooled people into thinking that's like a bad thing, you know? <laughs> Of like being able to dump your games for future preservation and like and like how they got people on that narrative like no that's bad it's like what yeah i literally lost like some twitter mutuals when remember when kotaku put out an article about how like metroid dread was working on like yuzu or day one yeah, yeah yeah and i was like this is actually awesome and people were like why are you advocating piracy and it's like no it's awesome because it means that emulation's in a state where we won't have to like thank god like semu is in such a state where any wii u game you just won't have to worry about it. as long as someone's dumped it you'll it'll be preserved mm-hmm. but 3ds emulation that still has some issues yeah and it's like not to mention the hardware and like spoiler alert like there's like that scare that people are going through with like we use just killing themselves and not to mention with the 3ds it's like so with the psp if, if your battery died, as long as you had the AC adapter plugged in, you could still use your PSP. You cannot do that with the 3DS. Because of the way that the 3DS's power delivery works, mm-hmm. the charging port goes through the circuitry through the battery. Oh. So it's oh, so so if uh. the battery so so when all of the batteries for 3DSs die, 
that means that even if the rest of the 3ds hardware is working fine game over yeah yeah yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think that's how, how they did that. That's crazy. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I know sometimes when people say like preservation, like, well, that's just a cop out. And so I don't know why it took like the fact like, oh, you, there's a Fire Emblem game you will not be able to play in a month. Just I've seen pretty high profile. Like, oh, there, this no, isn't, this... there's a Fire Emblem game you won't be able to play in a little over a week. <laughs> yeah. I better get on that. So, you know, we we had this conversation, you know, when the when the uh, when we thought that the PlayStation stores were like closing down, like something about like that some point where like it, it prompted us to like go, hey, like yeah. these are the Yeah, they backpedal. And to that. be clear, like there's like another thing where it's like as of right now, and it kind of fell under the radar, but you cannot transfer uh, games from a PS3 to a Vita anymore because of a most uh, most recent update on PS3. Is that what the firmware update did for the recent PS3 update? Really? Uh, I think it was the one before that, but basically, oh, wow. I'm not sure if people remember this, but there's a certain number of PSP and PlayStation 1 games that the only way to play them on Vita legitimately was if you transfer them from a PS3, you can no why longer would, do that anymore. It's because of a two-factor authentication thing. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. So, and it's just, Ugh. again, this industry just does not care about preservation because why would they? That's I mean, awesome. after all, they could just remake a game 20 years later, get massive uh, review scores and get people to spend 60 or $70 on an entirely new version of a game. Even they could, though, yeah, they, they definitely could charge $30 for actually Odyssey one again. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and not to say that remakes are bad, but like when preservation is at an all time low, and you know what? I'm sorry, Capcom. I'm not going to I'm not going to be uh, I'm, I'm not going to be like sneaky about that. You're actually relatively good about preserving your stuff, at least compared to the rest of the industry. Relatively good. <laughs> Still not perfect. Mm -hmm. Nobody in this industry is perfect. It's just. Uh, yeah, what a what a nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, so that so the eShop that you you did have the correct date earlier, James, it is uh, March 27th, so. I guess we'll get one more chance next week to shout it out, and then it'll be um, gone for good. Uh, 3ds.hacks.guide. <laughs> well, that's all the uh, news posts that I had for this edition of the podcast. So uh, I think it's about time we uh, wrap this up. We made it to the three-hour mark again, somehow, just about. Uh, so thank you to uh, Josh for going over his thoughts on Atlas Fallen, as well as Exoprimal, and then Chow, and of course, the rest of the crew here for Trails to Azure. Again, we have those two op-eds up on the site for uh, Adam's Valkyrie profile feature and then James's Fantasian uh, port begging days <laughs> to state it bluntly. You can find RPG site on all the social media platforms. You should be able to search for RPG site and find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, you can join our Discord by hitting the link at the top of our homepage at rpgsite.net or, or it should be linked below uh, any of our YouTube videos. So if you've listened to the end of this podcast here, I'll just, I'll just solicit some feedback. If you listen to this end of this podcast, uh, Go ahead and give us some feedback. We actually did get a, a, quite a nice comment on our last YouTube upload where we found uh, a champion of Fantasy Life talking about their interest right. in, in the, uh, in the uh, um, for the new Fantasy Life I game that was announced at the Nintendo Direct. 
uh, in early February. So it was really nice to, to, to hear that and get some detail about a game that we couldn't really speak to about uh, due to our lack of uh, knowledge on the on the series. So thank you so much for that. And we, we'd love to see more comments on that. So if there's any game here that you thought uh, we could provide more detail on or any feedback of things we're doing well or doing poorly, uh, let us know. We love hearing that stuff. Um, but otherwise, other than uh, that, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, uh, feel free to leave those comments about it because I'm I, I actually willing to try the game now because of this comment. You know? I mean, yeah, me too. I want to play it. Sure. Like that, that sounds yeah. interesting with that, with well, that person. Well, well, shit. Uh, you only have a little more than a week to pick it up, though. So, uh, Ooh. hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, funny, strict deadline. And then we will be back next week with another episode of the Tetracast. Sounds like we'll at least have a little bit of time to talk about Ryza 3. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe and take care. And we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>